0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with Aubrey Lovelace.
1: And I'm Danielle.
0: All right, it's a great day for Book Club today. I just want to thank everyone again who's been following us on our social media pages. Continue to like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter posts at Hellboy Book Club. And rate and review our podcast on your. Um, podcasting devices or whatever that really helps us grow our club a couple i want to respond to some listener feedback again uh, like we do at the beginning of every episode last week we wondered what ilsa's cursing sounded like on wake the devil as she shot hans ubler thanks to drew campbell for telling us it's (laughs) Schweinehut. so if you want to call someone a bastard pig dog in german sometime soon that's that's how you can say it
1: okay that is I want to say it's useful information, but I'm yeah. really not
0: sure. <laughs> the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund raffle over at the Mike Mignola's Art Facebook page raised $1,000 in right. donations. That's awesome. Awesome. So congratulations to all the winners, and Very congratulations cool. to everyone who donated. It was awesome. Hopefully we'll have another one soon.
1: That was uh, who who organized that?
0: That was Craig McKnight. Very yeah, cool. and Very if you're cool. not part of that Facebook page, you just got to get on there. It's it's just the best content, the best stuff every day.
1: They managed to raise a lot a lot of money for a really good cause. There, that's really exciting to be a part of that community.
0: Yeah, yeah, I donated a a, a couple bucks as Very well. Cool. I didn't. I wasn't one of the winners, but but that's okay. I'm I'm happy to donate to that. You cause. won in your heart. I did. <laughs> 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 regarding our lineup several people chimed in on whether we should use the library or omnibus version i really want to thank everybody who commented i want to really thank case lager whose name i butchered last week pretty good but one of the things that he said is that we don't need to confine ourselves to a specific order and with that word of encouragement i think we're going to kind of do our own thing so every week we're going to be kind of doing some of the library edition and some of the some of the omnibus version so hopefully it doesn't ruffle feathers too much but there are some really cool things in the omnibus version that i'd like to incorporate while at the same time we're going to stick to the library version on some things so we'll let you know uh, every week which one we're going to do and yeah. if there's
1: something you want us to talk about just let us know it's fine
0: yeah do that give us some feedback and and let us know if there's anything that we missed or anything that you want us to make sure that we include we're happy to do that Today we're going to start our Short Stories Part 1 episode, and so we're going to do some short stories today, we'll be doing some more next week. Today the first short story we're going to be talking about is The Wolves of St. August. So The Wolves of St. August was published in August to November of 1994 in Dark Horse Presents issues 88 to 91. A Prestige Edition was uh, released in November of 1991, and that included some extra pages, and we'll talk about that as we go along. This was also colored by James Sinclair, who also did *Wake the Devil*. I think on the last episode I said James Stewart, so I want to apologize to that. It is James Sinclair. I think uh, Danielle corrected I think me James later. Oh, James Stewart! I was like, yeah. talks like this. <laughs> yeah, but you corrected me later in the episode, so <laughs> thank you for that. The Wolves of St. August actually takes place before the events of *Wake the Devil*. We probably should have covered this episode beforehand, but you know what? It's all right. It's just going to be like that sometimes. On the cover image, I want to talk about the cover image to the Dark Horse Presents 88. It says, uh, in the little corner, it says, apologies to Albrecht Dürer. So Dürer was a painter and printmaker from the German Renaissance in the 1400s and 1500s. And he painted this, uh, he had this awesome print called the Four Horsemen. And so the Four Horsemen, that is the little corner of that. That's Mignola's rendition of the Albrecht Dürer piece. So I I thought I'd just point out that little piece of trivia. We open up with a picture of Father Kelly and Hellboy in Connecticut of 1961. This is one of the extra pages that was added for the Prestige Edition. So it's 1994, and we are in the fictional town of Griart. Is that how I should say that? I I
1: really didn't know. It's a fictional town, so I guess you could say
0: that. And this is a tiny village in the Balkans of Eastern Europe and there's some women they talk about how father kelly is planning to have easter service at the church in gray art um and how that's a very bad idea
2: is that uh, the four horsemen down there behind that
0: woman oh you know what i think that is good catch there yeah there it is again the the four horsemen uh behind her Good job. At the Griard Church, Father Kelly meets with a stranger and he asks the father if it's true about the church service. And he tries to convince the father not to have it, saying, God is not here. So there's this cross and it's all overgrown um, with leaves and everything all over it. So that's a pretty cool image with the little bird sitting on top. I, I really I love like the that. little
1: bird, yeah. Well, and this this little bird comes back later throughout the story, too, which I love that Mignola seems to use birds a lot as little omens in his yeah. work. yeah.
0: He he really does, and this one it it sings a little note. I think this is the first one that we see oh, of, the, wow, yeah. of a little bird singing a note. Yeah, um, that I, comes I back as
1: a theme in in other books as well. It's it, it, really it kind adore. of it
0: kind of does in a way. So I, I really like. I, I was like, oh, I think that's the very first one. Sometimes that we our see.
1: birds make little peeps. We have two birds, and sometimes they make these little peeps. That I, if if I were to <laughs> express that visually, that's what it would look like. So yeah. I, I find that rather adorable. Yeah, but on this page, this, <laughs> yeah, it's super cute. On the same page with this little bird, um, has has he been identified as Granier yet, or no? Not no,
0: yet. Uh, not yet. Okay, so, so on this on
1: this same page with the bird, there's this uh, this gentleman, this rather creepy gentleman, uh-huh. who he says, "Come with me and learn something." And as as soon as he says that, the very next panel, there somewhere else, there's an immediate shift in the color palette. Oh yeah, which is and it carries over to the next page, which is very ominous. Um, yeah, I really love that about the coloring yeah. in this in this book. It just shifts the mood immediately. I don't know, you don't ever you don't
2: ever seem to want to trust somebody that looks like a reject from Marilyn Manson, though.
1: Oh
0: yeah, Marilyn, yeah. <laughs> well, you know,
1: looks can be deceiving. You can't always judge a book by its cover. And I mean, so, in this case, you're you're, you're right. Yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> so
0: Grenier was a surname used in the Middle Ages. It derives from an old French word for an occupational worker. And the name has a lot of variations in spelling over the years. The stranger tells Father Kelly that the Grenier family was killed by the villagers by spitting them on iron spikes and cutting apart their bodies. So that's pretty grisly. He shows them the graves of Duke Henry and Lady Claudia Grenier, and they have, like, wolf skulls. This werewolf skeleton
1: is so rad.
0: And so I like how he's telling them to look at them. And he's like, look. And you kind of start to see the wolf eye, like it's kind of he's transforming already right, right. and then in that bottom panel there's just this wolf with the blood splatter it's a it, it's a great panel
2: that's what i just want to say like when i was a kid when i was like 10 years old werewolves scared the crap out of
0: me oh that's uh <laughs> that's funny that you mentioned that i was so into werewolves i, I really loved identified werewolves. with werewolves yeah like a lot i was really into teen wolf and American Werewolf in London. Um, I was a, the wolf from Monster Squad. Ginger Snaps. Ginger Snaps. The Howling.
2: The Howling. Well, I, I don't know. I was just like I was like maybe nine or ten years old, and I was watching the Michael Jackson thriller video, and yeah. he turns that into that werewolf, up. and he screams, and I run out of the room, and next thing, I have nightmares of werewolves coming into my window. But then my dad made me watch the um, making of it, and then yeah, I, was all, I, was I remember all about, that, and I'm like all about werewolves. I remember. And, I remember that being scary
0: too, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's great. I was really into werewolves. Yeah, same. Uh, Nine days later, uh, Hellboy and Kate. So this is Kate's official first appearance. We did see her um, in Wake the Devil, but in terms of the comics, this is kind of her first appearance in the comics. And she fills us in on this case. 167 people are all dead, and they were killed in their homes or in their beds. Is that skeleton ringing the bell? Oh, yeah. That's great. I never (laughs) noticed that little detail. I love that. This is Kate's first mission, and we get the sense that Hellboy is familiar with this type of thing. He names all the different dates that he's seen these kind of similar cases. Hellboy mentions that most of these cases have a bad history attached, but Kate says that she couldn't find anything. We learn a lot of her experiences. She's authored 16 books on folklore and the occult, including the, the Confessions of Isabel Gowdy. Now, I thought this was interesting. Isabel Gowdy was a Scottish woman who, in 1662 confessed to being a witch her confession well,
1: can we say quote-unquote confessed because well, th- well that's
0: what i was about to say yeah. her her confession was obtained without torture oh yeah and it is supposedly one of the best documents of what witchcraft was seen like during this time there is also a symphony orchestra called the confession of isabel Gaudi by james mcmillian so maybe that's where they got some of the inspiration for that anyway kate says that there's several red flags to this case the Papal Inquisition hadn't heard of it and Griart didn't exist before the thirteen hundreds. And some of the town looks older, including the Chateau Grenier. I
2: also like how um, Hellboy mentioned that he's been like has been part of the BPRD since like nineteen fifty two. And yeah. if, if this place takes take place in ninety four, that means it's like forty two years later.
0: Right, right. So he's been doing this for a while. Yeah. Hellboy and Kate visit the church and Hellboy mentions that he felt the police work was a rush job because nobody wants to talk about the place. And he recalls Father Kelly and their missions in Phoenix. I guess they had a pretty long exorcism there. Kate finds a carving of the of Saint August, and it kicks her folklore brain into gear, and she remembers the wolves of Saint August.
1: The little bird shows up again.
0: Yeah, we see the bird again.
1: There, and uh, talking about the story, she mentions that when he went in there, the family was had the family had set up an image of the devil or Antichrist or whatever, and says it was probably just one of the old fertility gods. So. It was probably an old pagan god, and fertility god often denotes maybe a goddess. Even so, the Christian monk flips out, and this is you know one example we that we get of Christianity demonizing and punishing pagans for just living their damn life. And right. every seventh year, you take the shape of a wolf and you get food by fang and claw. You'll keep all your reasoning, so you feel human guilt and the horror at your punishment. But like I'm wondering, like what they were being punished for in the first place, which is basically just doing their thing i guess i don't know
0: right so he perceived them as praying to the devil right. but it could have been it, it could have been any old uh fertility and god He
1: totally just fucked them over with this horrible <laughs> with this curse, curse or yeah. something so i mean honestly the real villain here seems to be this fucking monk
0: so this is monk philip of bayou in 1214 and this may be referring to the roman catholic diocese of bayou which is in france and so yeah she tells the story of how he heard this church bell he followed it He found these people, and then he cursed them, just like you said. What a dick. So they they turn into wolves every seven years, and eventually the villagers catch them, and they kill all of them. And the story was republished in a pamphlet in 1332 called The Wolves of St. August. So that's how Kate knows all this stuff.
1: And then the town changes its name to dodge the Inquisition, one of the many vile and horrific campaigns of destruction Set upon non-Christians, specifically non-monotheistic pagan cultures of just murder and torture. So we're getting a little bit more of an insight into exactly the culture of this town. Specifically, they're trying to dodge this. They're like, okay, we had enough of that already. We don't need any more of
0: this. And it also kind of incorporates that historical fiction, right, to let you know what was going on during this time. I really like that a lot and um kate also mentions that's why the tower isn't there yeah that was a detail in their little pamphlet in the little story so
1: and once again it gives you an insight into um it's it sets up the the figure of this particular story like rasputin was in the in the story we just read now we've got uh granier over here and Mm -hmm. it it gives you an insight it's it's not he's not a two dimensional character it kind of gives you a little feel for what his family was going through when this all went down
0: yeah yeah they follow a blood trail to an overgrown cross and they draw their guns kate mentions that hellboy has been trying to get her into the field for six years now and then they have this moment where he mentions the floor isn't too stable right this is kind of funny she says (laughs) is that a crack about my weight and immediately falls through the floor I like it when Hellboy pulls
2: out his gun and Kate's like, but you can't hit anything. <laughs> he's like, but I'm getting better.
0: Right. No, so he, yeah, he he's a horrible shot. Kate falls through the floor and we have kind of this extra splash page right before she fall, right when she falls through, Hellboy says, hang on, kid, I'm coming for you. And then we have this splash page where she's kind of falling through the air. Um, this is a really great page. I really like this. Oh, man, it's, it's a beautiful page.
1: The little ghost girl. I adore the mm-hmm. way that she's drawn and the um well the cover art for these issues are some of my absolute favorites right up at the top of the list but uh art like this the the pacing of it is it really builds tension and uh like the panel of the the three wolves in the shadow of the archway all of that stuff it just it just looks really cool It has a very simple and iconic look and like you were saying with this um this this little ghost girl it gives the story a lot of impact and the timing here also builds tension and momentum in such a real way and I, I love the way that Mignola does that. This was um he had a real crack at a script and he kinda made a comment in one of the notes in the was it the omnibus version?
0: I'm I'm not sure. I don't I know, think there was so. a
1: little note from him that he was saying this is one of my first real scripts and I oh, kinda yeah, cringe at it. Yeah. I sort of cringe at some of the parts. He does say that. Honestly, dude, he's not giving himself enough credit. I, I really think that he did a great job with the timing. I think he pacing, has a very
0: self depreciating type of Well, he's very humble, but yeah. I mean
1: honestly, he does a great job with this story. It's fantastic.
2: Well, you know, and like they say you're all, you are your own worst critic. Right. Yes, so.
1: Yeah. If you're any good at what you do, I guess.
0: Yeah. This scene where Kate sees her first ghost right. is, is just really good. It, it hits you. Really hard, and there we see the the wolf. She's got kind of her her hands over like this, kind of like that tattoo that um that our our uh, one of our Twitter followers had sent us.
1: Oh right, that was a good tattoo. It was um not really Mignola's style, obviously, it was different stylistically, but it was kind of his take on it, which I always enjoy seeing different artists kind of their take on an idea.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Um I saw this interview once when Mignola was talking about um, I think it was when he, on the special features for the animated movies, he's talking about how he didn't want to see his style no, right. represented because oh, yeah. he he doesn't really particularly like to see his style animated. Right. But, it's right, uh, just for the it's just
0: for the comic kind yeah. of. Yeah. Some have mentioned that Kate bears a resemblance to Christine Mignola. Mm. And I think especially in this panel where she's kind of covering her mouth and there's the tear coming down. I think if you look at pictures of uh, Christine right. Mignola, and I think that that's where you kind of see some of that resemblance. I also really like this panel cuz that's her reaction. She's an educated person. She knows about folklore, she knows that ghosts exist. She's like she knows that all this stuff is just whatever, but she still gets scared. She doesn't like scream out no, like no, right, in a exactly. stupid horror movie or something. Hey, yeah. She just kind of covers her mouth and that tear comes out. You really get the sense that well, she's nothing, scared, yeah. but she's like also kind of Well, nothing composed or still it's an educated scare. I don't know how to say it.
1: Nothing can really prepare you for the emotional impact as well of something like this. I think that she really has an emotional connection to this girl because she's saying, oh, sweetie, no, nobody hates you. She's, You know what I mean? And she's she's really made an immediate emotional connection to this this person. And all of a sudden this happens. And it's very it's emotionally jarring for her. And I think that that's it goes a long way into her character as well. It tells us who she is immediately. Yeah. Her reaction tells us, you know, who she is.
0: Right. And as she wipes the tears, she says, sorry, my first ghost. Right. right. So She's like the, professional right she, away. She's a him. professional about it. Now the sun is going down and neither of them have a gun. So they're in danger. Hellboy presses Kate for more folklore knowledge. Uh, she mentions that in the original short story of the St. August tale, it's translated from the um, original book, Ubel Domerlicht. Which translates to evil fading light. In this book, Grouse says that William Grenet, Grenier, the kid, was smuggled out before the rest of the family was killed. So supposedly, this William Grenier werewolf guy still exists. Hellboy and Kate make a move to run for it, and they're confronted by all these wolves. Right? They're uh, they're tagged on either side. They can't escape, and so there's all these silhouettes of these wolves. Um, this is really good. Yeah. I just love all this. The
1: imagery is is simple but effective. Again, the pacing is is right on. It's really builds tension in such a marvelous way.
2: I also like how he draws the uh, werewolves here. They don't mm-hmm. look like overly muscly like they do in the movies. These days. right, right, yeah. right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Hellboy and Kate are trapped by the wolves, and Hellboy suggests that William Granier is coming. They have a nice little training moment. I like this where Hellboy's just like, look, is this weirder than any of the other stuff we've seen today? You know, he just kind of tries to reason with her a little bit. He's supportive. He's like a good teacher. He's not just going to be like, snap out of it, soldier, or whatever. He's very like,
1: just relax, you know, chill out, catch your breath. Well, I was just going to
2: say, I I actually just kind of like the relationship between Hellboy and Kate. Um, You know, like you said, this is her first appearance, but we get the sense that they... have been friends for a long yeah, time yeah yeah well and, he's been
0: trying to get her in the field for six years yeah so and,
2: um it's just the way that it's written it's just it feels so real and natural
0: yeah um they make yeah. a good team they right really he's he, he's she got all the folklore knowledge and he's you know he's the professional experienced and agent and you don't
1: need no i agree with that because you don't need any ridiculous exposition like well we've been working together for six years and blah 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 like it's it's very natural like you said i think Mignola again doesn't give himself enough credit for writing people
0: hellboy and kate come across father kelly's spirit and there's this kind of gruesome haunting moment kate's reaction and she's just like jesus (laughs) (laughs) this this guy just shows up and turns into a skeleton screaming help me please um it's pretty gruesome william granier reveals himself and Hellboy asks him to release the spirits. I like that Hellboy tries to reason with him at first. He's like, look, right. you, there, there's all these spirits trapped here. I don't give a shit about any of this stuff. Just, Just let them go.
2: It's also kind of crazy that the dude's obviously naked. You can see a little bit of his I don't stuff. know if that's crazy. I think that he's... Package just kind of hanging down no, there. Oh, I from... didn't notice. <laughs> well, I mean, I,
1: at this point, think about it. Like, that's not even... He doesn't even consider that to be his real right. form and, of, yeah. and anymore. He says Why would some he wear things, clothes? He
0: says some things later about that as well, kind of, that maybe allude to that.
1: Now, I've seen a lot of werewolf media. A lot. Yeah? A lot. And this is by far the best depiction of a change I've ever seen. And Mignola... Hates on himself for his writing, but the dialogue is killer. It it absolutely rules. Can you imagine the pain? Better the iron spike, the wheel, the sword. Better death than this. Each time, more of the creature remains until all that is man is this thin skin. I I relate to that on such a... I mean, (laughs) I say now, finally, that this is the place and the hour of the beast, and the beast is me. I wrote down Big Mood, to try and casually distance myself from how this makes me feel. But it cuts deep. Yeah. It cuts really deep. And nothing nothing cuts deeper than the splash page that we get a few pages into the fight here. It's a fantastic looking fight where Hellboy says, you know, end of the road for you, Granier. And he goes, Granier no more. Only beast.
0: Yes. Yes. So this is a really great part where they have their fight. Um, there's a couple things about this scene. First of all, a lot of these pages are added for the prestige edition. So um, you see, Hellboy say "Got to do what I do," and then he booms the wolf. That is where it ended, and then we didn't resume until after. So all these action pages that right. we get in between are all the extra stuff for the prestige edition. So I'm really glad about that. I also have to throw in that this is the first, I think, right hand of doom boom. Right, right. We get a lot of we get a lot of classic booms. Officially. And uh, we've got some classic booms when the Ogdrujahad jihad were in their were shaking uh, in, in their in their shells or whatever. But this is the first one with the right hand of doom boom. We're gonna get a couple. We get another one. We get a left boom, and then we get another right hand of boom when he says "end of the road for you." So I just had to point those out. We're gonna get a couple more. I'm gonna try to count all of them. I hope that's not too <laughs> nerdy, but I want to get all these right hand of doom booms on a little list or a little something. Boom count going <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, yes, we got this page, Grenier No More, Only Only Beast. beast. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) This page is so familiar to me now that it's like seeing your own hands or something. It's, It's so weird. It's just such a familiar sight at this point. And in all the graphic novels I've read, I don't think there's another image that is as instantly recognizable to me. I've studied every detail. This page sums up a lot of what our project is about. John and I are in a band called Only Beast. And um, when John suggested that we name our new band Only Beasts, this was eight years ago. We were like three months in, maybe. Yeah. It was...
2: Well, it's been that long. Yeah.
1: It was instantly perfect. And we've been we've been uncovering new levels to that over and over for years now. And there are so many nuances, so many uh, things to discover there in that territory. And it really has been such an amazing gift. So um, a, a while back, I'd actually asked Mike Mignola for permission to use this particular panel yeah and you know I, I messaged him on his facebook account he messaged me back very kind so yeah, sweet. Yeah. and he was like just thank you for asking he just i really appreciate that you ask permission and of course you can use it you know it's when people try and use stuff or trace my art and like without permission and all this stuff that i really don't you know appreciate that and so obviously that's you know just speaks to his character and how how kind he is but we've since then created. Several other logos of the name, but we always come back to his font design. And like when I made that jacket or whatever, and it's, yeah. I'm just so grateful for, I'm grateful for you, John, to that you introduced this idea to the band because we've, we've been able to go back to that theme in so many different ways and so many different times over. I mean, it, we have not exhausted ourselves on this, is that it's become kind of a,
0: yeah. No, it, it, it means a lot. And, and it, it means a lot for me too. A couple years ago, I guess in 2014, we got to meet Mignola at the Comic Palooza. That was fantastic. And right? we took our library edition of uh, Wolves of St. August up there, and well, we had him sign all the regular the 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 regular issue version, the prestige version, but he also signed the page, the actual only beast page, and he signed it to me, you, and Pete. Yeah. for for our band, and he really. Drew a good signature on there. He didn't do a really fast migma like sometimes. Although he does. I like the migmas, the migmas mm-hmm. have like their the mi'gmas. they have their value. But it's nice that no, he, he really was, he really you know he took wanted, his time and yeah. he could tell that it meant a lot to us. Well, he,
1: and he was he seemed sincerely interested in the project, and he was very kind to us and um, really spent some time with us on that. And I I really appreciated that a lot. And I, I think that making that connection with him over this art and this story has has been just a font of inspiration and sp- yeah we I, mean, I don't think we can ever exhaust ourselves on this theme this this theme of only beast runs so deep now and it's um i mean i i'm sure if peter were here he would he would agree and yeah. obviously that's that has been a lot to him too over the years he can talk he, forever about this he hasn't
0: sure. read all the comics but he has he read of St. Yeah. august and he really enjoyed it a lot it really resonated with him as mm-hmm. well
1: absolutely and so that's that's we're just scratching the surface with that, and so I really appreciate um, how supportive uh, Mike Manila really was about that.
2: I will confess, I I was listening to y'all's album when I read this. Oh. oh wow,
1: <laughs> that's interesting.
0: That's. A, I don't think we write Hellboy. We our our songs aren't about Hellboy. No, but, no, 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 it's not. But it, but we do take a lot it's of inspiration. A broader, it's
1: it's a broader theme. It's yeah. a, It's a deeper well of. Uh, we kind of take that up as a mantle but it's a it's a much broader idea i think then and i think a lot of mike's work is like that a lot of his work is like that it's um there are very broad themes among any story you pick up from him and so that's that speaks to him as a as an artist and as a writer as well
0: when you're in something like a band it's hard to put a label on it. And Absolutely, so to yeah, find something that you feel is so inspirational and perfect, what you're going for, um, yeah. it's really nice. It's really, And it's really nice that the artist is cool about it and they're like, yeah, you know, you can totally use that. I'm supportive of you on this or whatever. So, yeah, enough to – I mean we could say so much more about that page. but um, Yeah, we'll move on. We'll, move <laughs> we'll, we'll go yeah. ahead and move on. So <laughs> I love this line afterwards. But right after he says only beast, I don't care if you're a goddamn fish. Yeah. <laughs> you're going down. And so they have the they, they have this fight and the wolf is just throwing Hellboy around like a rag doll.
1: You get some emotion from Hellboy here. His face is he's yeah. almost looks afraid. Yeah really interesting well he
0: tells Kate to get the hell out of here right? right and there's this little scene again with the girl wolf right mother what will become of us and she just says hush baby close your eyes we go to the next scene and i love this little opening listen once a man kept a wolf in his stomach and the wolf slowly ate him from the inside out and the wolf grew finally the shell of the man could no longer contain the wolf and so they resume their fight so this is where after the first right hand of Doom Boom, we would have ended up here without those extra pages. So, all that cool stuff in the middle was added later. And so, you get a good bit of action as the wolf bites Hellboy. And I imagine him, like, kind of dragging him around the way a dog does right. and then throwing him through the air on the next page.
2: It's kind of insane to think that it goes, that all of that stuff was added in later because it feels like. I don't it know should if, have always been it, there. Yeah, yeah, it does. It it's paced it just right. Yeah. yeah, it really is um if i felt like if i was like reading it i'd be like oh okay da 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 but reading all this if that wasn't you know yeah and it this, really it really
0: adds a lot but
1: yeah and it really shows us what uh mike Manula can do with action scenes yeah. with with this this these fight scenes have so much movement in them it's it's so natural I like when he's I like when he's smacking him with this thing this cross or whatever Right, so it's Hellboy It's disgusting. It's so first, gross. First, well,
0: first he throws that the head of the statue at him. Oh yeah. And it kind of half of his face comes off oh, or horrible. something. It's so horrible. that's pretty gruesome. And Kate has this little line, she says after he hits him with the with that statue head, she <laughs> yeah. says, Hellboy, why even carry a gun with a pitching arm like that? <laughs> so there, there's all these little bits of these partner humor in there that I yeah, that the I like, kind of these dark little humor, comments.
1: The cop humor.
0: Yeah, but Hellboy starts fighting him with this. Big like iron cross, awful. And he's just like stabbing him over and over. You get a sense from the dialogue he was a friend of mine. Like he's stabbing him like like repeatedly as he's doing it.
1: And at the end here, when he's he says, "I'm tired," you know, you can get a sense that obviously his he's over.
0: Right. So Hellboy punches through him with the with with that iron cross. And here's
1: the bird again.
0: Yeah. So. Um, I was trying to piece. kind of get a sense of all that the, this little bit of action so he says I'm tired and then the cross is falling down on it like creaks and then it's falling down on the wolf and I guess like right when it hits the wolf that bird also lands or it's there yeah. and it gives that little note and then the wolf just turns to skeletons and then he just like disappears also like
2: it. A- Right after he stabbed him in the with the uh, cross, he's yeah.
0: like a Hellboy says, I hope that hurts. Oh, yeah, well, man. he was good friends with Father Kelly, right? So right, right, a, right. a little bit of this is revenge for Hellboy as well. Yeah.
1: And then uh, all the way here in the very bottom corner of the page, you get a little, of the end, tiny little square with a tiny little bird.
0: I love that little bird. The little yeah, touches. you keep coming back to it.
1: Manuela likes to put these little tiny touches in there that just make it. Yeah. Perfect.
0: And so the bird plays a little bit of a role, I feel like Absolutely. it's it's there um, when Father Kelly says he wants to have service, it chirps and then it's here at the end. So I feel like it's kind of part of the hope that this place is going to be redeemed or it's kind of like the coming back of right. good to this place. Although at the end, it says the village of Grey Arts slash St. August remains uninhabited. Um, well, it's
1: the return of nature and yeah. natural order to a place that was overtaken by it unnatural disturbance i.e that monk that cursed it yeah i really return everything back to that monk and so i i think that it's sort of a renewal like you said of of hope and it's 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 a return of of the natural order of things of nature to this place
0: and and they kind of talk about that too all the spirits have been released uh when dr hoffman and his little team went back uh recall dr hoffman was mentioned and wake the devil his team were were the ones that saw the napoleonic man who ended up being juriscu in in their visions and so his team here they officially declared the sight clear of all the ghosts so father kelly the wolf ghosts and all of them have uh, been able to pass on all right wolves of st august that was awesome
2: that was a really good story and um,
0: i really enjoyed the camaraderie between hellboy and kate and yeah. it makes
2: me wonder why she didn't why she wasn't in the movie i know well yeah
1: i mean sometimes it's too much for hollywood like they have no idea how to present a very natural story yeah for some reason
0: i i also think that they just don't get a lot of money to do these movies so they don't have as many of the team in there because there are so many of the team that i wish that they could incorporate there's
1: also a lot of pressure to like make it hollywood baby make it pop like you can't have these beautiful little moments to let a you can't let right. the moments breathe
0: i felt like in the movie they tried to combine kate with abe yeah because they give abe like he knows he researches all this stuff and he knows all these things about samael and he knows all the folklore stuff but like that's really kate's job but they kind of mushed it with abe to kind of yeah and i, I
1: don't know maybe i'm just I, i'm obviously just sort of what's the word i might just be assuming this too but i don't know it might have also been sort of a situation where they're like maybe we won't get another shot at doing this this is you know, Hellboy is not Batman. You're not going to have right. eight Batman movies. So, or you're not going to have eight Hellboy movies. Excuse we me, should. You, yeah, right. Exactly. I agree. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you might not get another chance. So you got to try and get as much in as possible. Whereas, you know, if you had just done the straight story, I do agree obviously it would have told a better story but yeah. you know you never i mean the movie was good uh, yeah i enjoyed it i'm not trying to knock the movie or anything but, I, yeah, but have, I agree it with would have you been great if kate would have been included if we could at some have seen point. a little bit of kate maybe,
0: even at the maybe eventually or, yeah. she is in the cartoon. so i, I kind of like that that they, they yeah. do have her in the animated stuff
2: well maybe she'll be in the the new Hellboy movie coming out yeah let's see oh, i don't man. i have been trying
0: to not read a whole I lot i mean why not put her in there she's great she doesn't have
1: to be in the whole movie she would be a little bit in the beginning or something
0: yeah yeah I love. I, I have a lot of love for Kate, and and we'll we'll uh, see more of her as the as all the series go along. Excellent. So now we're going to talk about the Chain Coffin. This was published in 1995 in Dark Horse Presents 100 Part Two. So Dark Horse Presents 100, I think it was five parts. This was 100 Part Two, and it was originally in black and white. It was colored for the collected edition, and I'm assuming it's James Sinclair on colors again although I wasn't able to find definitively. So if you know that information, please... Right. I looked please. for that too. Yeah, I was trying to find out if it was Dave Stewart or James Sinclair, and I could not really find that. Do you have that, Aubrey?
2: It, uh, it was James Sinclair. Oh, Excellent. awesome. Okay, so he's
0: he's been doing a couple uh, during this time, and really I, really, I really like his colors. He Absolutely. does a great job. So we open uh, at the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense headquarters. We kind of see the Frank Lloyd Wright Falling Water Building again. We see the library. I like this little shot of the library. And Abe is sitting in there and he's reading this letter.
1: The cushion's so lovingly rendered, by the way. Oh, yeah. That I is really, a nice little cushion. It looks great. It gives a real sense of movement. It looks very comfy. <laughs> Mignola does shadows in a way that, I, you know, you, you rarely see.
0: So here, Hellboy writes a letter to Abe. Um, Abe is sitting in Broom's office, it looks like. And Hellboy talks about his childhood. He recalls all the events of Seed of Destruction. Remember... Lady Cynthia Eden-Jones had contacted two spirits. Remember right before, so all the way back in the first issue, she saw a vision of a nun and a priest right before everything happened. And so we kind of come back to that.
2: Well, I was going to say, I really do like how uh, it, it, it looks like it's like the same panel. So it's like we're seeing like a little flashback in the comic itself. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. And so she urged Hellboy uh, back in 62 to reopen the case into this East Bromwich. And he didn't do it. I think that's kind of, we, we, we've we gotten already that he doesn't want to know a lot of this stuff, so maybe that's one of the reasons why he just said, nah, I, I don't want to do that. But he decides to go ahead and, and visit after everything that happened at Cavendish Hall. And we get a lot of little mood shots here. I love these kind of, it, it just really sets the mood for everything that's about to happen. That where he says, so I'm here, do you dream Abraham? I do. Just kind of all the silhouette and just his eyes. I really like that panel down there.
2: Oh yeah, and, the, and it's. The way it's colored is just beautiful, too.
0: Yes, yes, the, those backgrounds look, are, are really nice. He talks about a dream that he had, um, about an old woman trying to renounce the devil and all her crimes from her old life. She tells her children, who happen to be the priest and the nun, to secure her coffin with chains and keep vigil over her. And then when Hellboy wakes up, the vision is still kind of happening, right? He sees the, the chained coffin, and he's having kind of like this ghost vision of everything that had happened there he talks about ghost sounds so he hears all the windows shattering this big boom but there's no windows in the place enter in we see this giant devil right this demon come in and he calls to the woman um this is the the, the devil that she kind of gave herself to when she was young and he asked her to come forward he asked for for her spirit to come back to him and the nun and the priest they they do their best to try and work against the devil
2: I like how the devil kind of looks like a like a
0: Hellboy wearing a samurai
2: outfit.
1: Super <laughs> scary and imposing, <laughs> yeah. though. Yeah. Really, he's huge, frightening.
0: And yeah, I like all his like decor, his like sash and all that stuff, and the way it's drawn, and the shadows and the crackly
1: fire. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: I really like yeah. that.
1: A lot of credit to the colorist on this page as well.
0: The demon calls out to the woman. Was I not God in old Babylon? Was I not God to the women of East Bromwich? Lancashire and Faversham; those are all towns and villages from England. And finally, he's had enough, right? And he just turns the nun and the priest to bones. He just like Which says enough, and that's it. You know, they're just totally. He just totally kills them. He frees the woman of her chains. He tells her to come forth. This isn't for you. This cold, narrow bed. He asks her to say that she believes in him again, and she does. She says, "Then I believe in only you." And then as an afterthought, she's like, but you slaughtered my children. And I was kind of like, I was like, damn. Hellboy's just like horrified as he's watching this. His mouth is just open. He's just like, what the hell? And the demon, he's just like, ashes, dust. Who cares? Who cares about your kids? Your real child is within you still waiting to be born. This child was conceived on, how do you say this?
1: Uh, well, Burgess Nuts.
0: Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, probably one of the few pronunciations I'll get right on this podcast. <laughs> and uh so all this time ago uh when she first asked for his power he put a son in her and he turns and he looks at hellboy my favorite son do like you the- want to talk about that or oh uh
1: uh sure like how what <laughs> anytime there's a <laughs> anytime there's something that has to do with witches i'm like hold on a minute there and tell you a little bit about but they um Walberta's was established by Christians to counteract pagan activities already in place. I mean, what's new, right? Uh, the Christian canonization of St. Uh, Walbercha, supposedly she battled against witchcraft, repelled the effects of witchcraft, although who knows if this is something that was tacked on later. Stuff like that often is. She apparently converted a lot of locals to Christianity, though. Mm. And this is something that was supposed to ward off the effects of Hexenacht, which is on the same day, which is May Day Eve, which is also another huge pagan thing. Uh, so it's called Witches' Night. So basically, oh. if you think of Christmas Eve and Christmas, you know.
0: That's what Walpurgis. Tr- well, is. not
1: really, but they're trying to. They're trying to be like, no, these pagan days are bad, and we're gonna do something good and Christian on these days instead. Uh. So it's, witches would meet at the highest peak of the Harz Mountains in Germany and do these hexes and all this ridiculous stuff. And so cool. modern day uh, people light bonfires to ward off witches and stuff. So Walpurgis not is still kind of a modern day nice. sort of a deal.
0: Actually. I like that. So what is the significance of? him being conceived on that night
1: it's just it's a real creepy ass you know it's a creepy ass witch thing it's cool awesome it's just a cool thing which i love a lot of Mignola's stuff is just like this is so fucking cool let's put it in here and i dig that i think it's super sweet of course and you've got this amazing image this huge panel i really love what's depicted here with the hands and all that like she's just like in this blazing light between his hands right right he's almost Mm -hmm. holding her up like it's like she's a some like a doll of, or yeah, something be- yeah or an idol yeah it's horrible but it's also beautiful and so that's something that i love about mignola's stuff is he's like let me take all this horrible stuff smoosh it together and make it kind of beautiful right. even though it's terrible yeah. and creepy which you know, it's
0: kind of delicate too i'm the a sucker for it yeah i'm a huge sucker for it yeah and so this is really creepy right hellboy thinks that he's watching all this just happen in a ghost vision but then the it turns around and it says to him yeah, my yeah. favorite son like that's really good with the that, first that, time i read this i was like Ooh. yeah yeah that's, that's- <laughs> where yeah.
1: else have we seen that and there's another oh man i think i oh man there's was movie that had that happen where someone was having some sort of dream
0: and, it, and then it directs towards them they're they're remember. not just a watcher What were you gonna say aubrey
2: uh nothing i was just gonna say i, I I think this is the most metal horse I've ever seen in my life. Oh, I yeah, publishing. the oh, horse yeah. with all the
0: chains on it. Yeah. And I love that little chink right there. It kind of makes me feel like the horse just came to a stop. And that's the yeah. sound that it would make as all the hooks just kind of like rattled on it as Horrific. it came to a stop. It gives so much with, you've said this before, but it's so much with so little. Yes. I see a lot of, yeah. I, I kind of see all this happening, even though we're just looking at static images. And so now the woman is truly his and Hellboy just screams, no, no, stop, bound to me forever. And he just puts that hook through her, right? Now she's just another another thing on these hooks that are all over this horse. And Hellboy reaches out to her. And I love this panel with the right hand of Doom reaching yes, out towards her. Yeah. Um, that's really good. So uh, that's the end of his letter. His letter to Abe is kind of recalling all this stuff that he saw. Did I learn anything? I don't know. Maybe. Right? So that's, that's kind of what he takes from it. But he's uh, confessing this stuff to, to Abe, which yeah. I think is, he doesn't have anyone else that he can share this stuff with. Well, kind that's a really close with. relationship. Yeah. If you're
1: going to share that kind of information, that's something that, you know, you really have to be able to trust and love somebody to to share that with. Yeah. Them.
2: And, you know, I mean, and then Hellboy and Abe, they probably had, you know, similar lives growing yeah. up. Right. They're both kind of, they, mm-hmm. they don't look
0: human. Yeah. yeah.
1: On a lighter note, I hear there have been new sightings of the West Virginia mothman. that might be something to look into for a while. Yeah. I dearly love to see a
0: mothman. What is the what, it, what do you know anything about Mothman? Oh
1: yeah, that's but that's a story for another day. I mean you can look up there's lots of different folklore folktale about the mothman. I remember uh, years ago a friend of mine, uh, Sohan, wrote a song about the Mothman. the lyrics were He's the Mothman that I remember to mention. The Mothman comes from another dimension.
0: That's good. I wish
1: I could find that track. That's I'll have to post it if we find it. But yeah, this is just another thing that Mignola throws in there. Just another little folklore, little folktale of, of the Mothman. Yeah.
0: So. Maybe we'll get to see that one in a future adventure. Absolutely. I mm-hmm. um, also like Hoboy's uh, okay. little um, signature
2: here. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he just puts the HB. HB. Yeah. <laughs> I never noticed that. Good. That's
0: great. Yeah, I do like that. He just puts HB because that. That's his name. That's what he, he even he even considers that to be his name. And I just have to talk about back at the bureau, Abraham Sapien dreams of fish. I love this little panel at the bottom. It's just very sweet. I love the way all the fish look and um it's nice to know that, that Abe dreams. At least his yeah. dreams
1: are not this horrible stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. This kind of lighthearted little
0: I mean,
2: and, okay, so does he dream with fish all the time? Or right. is it just this night he dreams of fish? <laughs> well, a, you know, it's just a really peaceful little,
1: little cute moment that I think Mignola really likes to undercut a lot of this horrible stuff yeah. with some little sweet, sweeter it's notes. It's a good way to, little end it, to, to
0: end that little story. <laughs> Mignola based the chain coffin on an English folktale. So, so a lot of this comes from an English folktale, a lot of the elements, I think, including the horse with the chains on it.
1: I love the way he takes these folktales and mixes fantasy with Reality and he puts his right. own spin on it, his own imagination on it. He, and his art lends itself to that so well.
0: Yeah, and he decided to keep Hellboy out of the action. So he kind of kept the folklore intact and he had hellboy just be kind of like a witness to all this stuff happening which is a really cool way to do it so a little bit of background there all right gang now we're going to be talking about almost colossus almost colossus was published as a two-part miniseries in june and july of 1997 by mignola and james sinclair again on colors so he's really been killing it on these short stories i want to talk a little bit about the cover to issue one it has hellboy with the homunculus behind him and then we see on the in the background that same painting that was in the in the castle wall right. where it's where they found it. Right, that goddess that we were trying to figure out. She's got the cup of fire in one hand and in the other hand she's got a moon. And so I, I like how that image kinda carries over. So Wake the Devil took place in Romania and here we are for almost Colossus at the Weyer Institute in Romania. And Liz isn't looking too good. She's dying, and they can't figure out why.
1: Well, she is lighting her cigarette with a match.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good little detail, right? She can't just light it. We've got little Sidney Leach here again, right? Sidney
1: Leachy, little City Leachy.
0: He's all bandaged up, right? And Manning and Sidney watch uh, Liz. And he saw his action, right? In the last episode, he recounts the events of Wake the Devil. And he talks about all the things that happened with uh, them finding the homunculus and Liz kind of the power going into the homunculus and and uh, everything that happened afterwards with Waller getting killed, um, Liz getting shot, and then the homunculus running away. Manning says that he has agents looking for the homunculus and it may be possible to reverse Liz's condition and Abe is more than determined. He's like, she's going to be fine, but Manning tries to prepare him from the worst. And Abe has a cast on his hand, on his arm. And so I don't think I mentioned this, but on Wake the Devil, when Abe and Mr. Clark fall down that hole, Mr. Clark grabs onto Abe and it says, snap. Oh, yeah. And I don't know <laughs> if I caught that little detail last time. And then in the subsequent panels, Abe is holding his arm when he runs into the ghost of Rasputin so his arm broke uh, during wake the devil so now he's got a cast on so I like, little, I like that little i like that little piece of continuity yes he broke his fish bones well did it break or did it um dislocate Because do have a
2: similar kind of cast either okay. oh, yeah. maybe
0: either yeah. one i don't know either way he he's fucked up and so manning tells him you know it's a sad truth people die and we get all the cool tombstones. I love like whenever Mignola draws these graveyards and he gets to draw all these like tombstones Mignola sticking out. Mignola seems
1: like he likes to draw these graveyards yeah, that's too. Yeah, it's really
0: nice. And we get Hellboy and Kate again. Oh my God. So we had them as a little team in Wolves of St. August. where And uh, they had that Scully and Mulder moment on yeah, Wake the sure. Devil. Now here they are again. So I just love seeing this duo together. They have a lot of uh, good chemistry. Many bodies have been missing from cemeteries and whoever took their bodies used their bare hands to dig them up. And they have this little moment uh, where uh, Kate is telling Hellboy all this stuff and he just goes, hmm. And she's like, you thinking about Liz? And he's like, yeah. I just like that it's little... A very, yeah. It's a real... It's, it just shows that they're they're humans and they're, you know, they have feelings they for have each other. They too, yeah. I like that little... It's, a, it's just a very good little, like, friend moment.
2: Yeah. I, I like this um, shot of the cemetery in the rain.
1: Right here. I like this line from this guy, these these three dudes come across Ave <laughs> and Kate, and they, this guy just opens with, hey, you damn guys. <laughs> like, yeah. I have never laughed louder at a comic book, I think. <laughs>
0: They don't say anything like, why is this giant red guy? Who's no. this red hey, monster? Hey, them
1: guys. just gets right to the point. <laughs>
2: yeah. Hey, you hey, dumb guy. I I uh, and I also that.
1: love how they assume that they're Americans, which is safe right. to assume, I think, probably, if you're just crashing through a graveyard.
0: Cowboy shows his badge to these guys, and it, I noticed that it looks different from Liz's in Seat of Destruction. Liz has kind of had the Bureau logo on it. This one kind of looks more like a traditional badge. And he introduces Kate as an agent, and she corrects him. She's like, professor. So I thought that was kind of interesting. She doesn't really consider herself an agent. The villagers say that something killed a bunch of chickens and carried this heavy cross to the top of the mountains. We go up to the top of the mountains, and we have this scene with the... We learn that there are two homunculus, right? So this is something that the agents and the villagers don't know. They think that it's one. But here we learn that there are two homunculi homunculi I, I, don't, don't I don't know that, that's a good question what's the what's I've never the two what's the plural for homunculus let us know, let in, us know. In, in the reader feedback
2: <laughs> I listener like, feedback I like how this uh cross you can see like Jesus got four nails in he, one in each foot instead of like oh know.
0: interesting little detail yeah. Oh, yeah there's uh there's the older homunculus and then there's the younger one um and the younger one is the one that's in front of the cross the older one approaches him and he says, Brother, you see this? And he shows him this medallion. So, Skeleton Brothers Crew, they do these replicas, and one of the ones that they do is this medallion. I would really love to have it, but it's been sold out for a long time. One thing that I, that I love is on the, uh, on the little ad- advertisement for it, it says it, it's not guaranteed to protect you from jaded homunculi. <laughs> so, it says homunculi there. I okay. just, so, there you go. I guess that's the plural. Skeleton Crew, let us know. Um, and Aubrey, you were, heard. you, Aubrey, you were mentioning the, the rain. I love how we get a sense of rain, but it's just these little lines. Yeah, it's, it's not really over just these little lines. But it's anything. um, we we do get a sense of like wind and atmosphere and rain and the lightning just and all the conditions. Kind of a tiny little, yeah. Uh, I love that lightning too. It's just awesome.
1: A lot of times, I think artists will try and and really overexert themselves trying to draw rain and and dripping down people's faces right. and so If you don't you know Mignola shows us you don't need to do all that just kind of make a couple little hash marks and it's rain
0: yeah i i i love the way that looks and it just gives a lot of motion it's kind of like sideways rain so you feel like there's a lot of wind there as well mm-hmm. so the older homunculus he he tells he tells the younger one to get the cross and lightning strikes and it gives him power and the older homunculus he kind of tells his story he was left in a well by their master after he learned all that he could from him. He was sitting there for years and he decided to live, right? I thought that was interesting. He decided that he wanted to still be alive. He took revenge. He went and found their master. He killed him. He was he was being held for the Inquisition, right? Yeah. And he takes the metal from around his neck and he also gets this key from his stomach that holds all the secrets to his um, to his secret lab and all his secret works. I also like how the flashback has kind of tinted this. Sepia um, almost. Yeah, yeah it's it, it's really nice, and it gives you a good distinction of present day versus the flashback. There's also a oh, panel
1: it's... here. Oh, sorry, Garby. I was, was going to say,
0: on mine, it's more of a salmon color. <laughs> oh, Interesting. yeah. Interesting.
1: <laughs> there's, a, there's a panel here um, depicting a tower uh, being struck by lightning, and I just wanted to point out real quick that that is a... Uh, very distinct imagery from uh, tarot decks of oh. the, the tower card which um, depicts change and upheaval it kind of represents an incredible turn of events on a huge scale it's a huge catalyst for for change and um, it it sort of takes our false sense of security and 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 tears that away from us and we're kind of made aware of the chaos not that chaos is it like chaos is always there but sometimes we kind of have this false sense of security so it's sort of that crumbles away and we're left with, you know, this whole nothing's ever going to be the same, whether for eventually right. it's going to be good again or it's bad right now. But, you know, you never, you don't know what's going to happen. So it's just this real big um, upheaval card. So wow. I thought that, that was really and the, I mean, the imagery right here, it couldn't it couldn't be more. Appropriate akin to the card, yeah. so it's. I mean, that's immediately what I thought of. It's well, yeah, so,
0: the whole story, too, is absolutely. kind of it, it, you, you could use that theme and, and run it throughout the story I, that we're about yeah. to get. I into. also
1: cannot tell you how much money I would throw at a miniola tarot <laughs> deck. Seriously, oh wow, I oh, mean, that would be <laughs> I, that's a million yeah. dollar
0: idea, right let's, there. Let's I think the, we all would.
1: Let's do the GoFundMe or whatever that's called <laughs> for that.
0: <laughs> After the older brother tells his story, the younger tells his. That he was a man and he was taught by their master um, a lot of different things. But when he, when his power ran out, the master just kind of abandoned him and he was just kind of left there where they found him in that lab. He had no strength and but he was still awake, but he was kind of in a dreaming state. He knew that time was passing, and he says that he reached out his mind to Liz, and he realized that it was a living that her fire was a living part of her. But he realized it too late, right? And she also realized it. So he could kind of kind of get a sense of what she was thinking as well in that moment. And he says that he took too much, right? He drank too much and he left her nothing. I also like how um, we're getting to see another side of this because when we we're talking about Wake the Devil,
2: it's like, Liz, why are right, you... Right, it's the flip side of it. Why are you sticking your yeah. finger in the...
0: Dude,
1: she was uh, almost compelled, but yeah. I'll, I'll, by some he was I'm, calling out to her as well no. well yeah. it was it, it was a combination of he he could probably sense that inside of her he says like she really wanted it gone yeah. so he was like, sure come on over so that's yeah that's that's a really interesting take and i I also uh am really taken by the whole glass cannon angle as well like Liz's that kind of almost say archetype yeah. Uh and it's 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 further developed here from what we originally saw yeah later. yeah
0: and it has this little panel of her saying no as as she's drained of her energy and so i went back to wake the devil and that's like pretty much taken from that moment right. like it's pretty it's it's i think it's the exact same image so i kind of like that too i always like that little continuity
1: and our little friend here is filling the guilt man he can't he can't live with the crime he really feels bad about what he did to this person.
0: Right. He but cares. The older brother, he thinks that they're better than the humans. And so he says that um he wants to take him to bear weird fruit. And I like that little line. We've come <laughs> yeah. to bear times come to bear weird fruit. <laughs> Super good. And he also says that they will never be parted again.
1: I like this next panel here. And this is our most haunted place. It's almost yeah. <laughs> like a real estate agent showing creepy castles to people.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So there is some historical fiction. I love to talk about the historical fiction to this scene. Doing a little research, this scene probably takes place in southern Romania in a town called Montenia. I think what they're looking at here is... Poinari Castle, mm. which was home to Vlad III. Oh, wow. So there is some, uh, and, and there are some legends that sh- some messed up shit went down there.
1: You know I love me some historical fiction.
0: I love how Kate busts out her folklore. <laughs> Instantaneously. She's like, it burned, and he's like, oh, you know this story? And then she kind of goes on <laughs> to tell this. Do you want to talk about this story? I, I love this. these three oh, panels absolutely. at the bottom. definitely. These monks were, were burned inside because they were worshiping the devil, and I love this like scene you really get the sense that it's on fire, but if you look at it, there's no real, like...
1: No, oh, yeah. It's just kind of like
0: this black and the coloring and the upside-down cross, and then it cuts to, like, this... This
1: weird demon guy. Yeah,
0: and I just... I don't know. It just evokes so much. You really get the sense with of this so place. With
1: so little, these two tiny little panels. Right. shoves so much feeling in the, there. The, the oh, smoke,
0: yeah. filling up with smoke and, yes. the, and the flames and everything. And the villager throws in this little tidbit... Yes, and one of the monks threw himself from the top of the tower, crying, God forgive me. But the devil came out of the smoke and caught him and carried him back into the fire. Day. And then Kate, Kate's like, I never heard that little gem before. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah, he's like, many people saw it. So I love that, too, is she's yeah. she's also excited to, to learn this she's little extra detail little... about it. And I just love the idea that the devil would reach out from the smoke and grab this guy and pull him back. That's just a great little... I just love that kind of imagery that that evokes. Despite the warning from the villager, they decide to go up and they smell cooking. So they find this giant oven, right? And um, there's some cool little atmospheric mood setting shots as they're approaching the oven. It's a six-story oven. And as they're looking at it, this lasso comes down and it grabs Kate and it pulls her away. And Hellboy's like, geez, hang on. (laughs) And he's like, I've got you. And uh, so this is just a really funny moment I want to talk about. So Hellboy, uh, Kate's getting pulled upwards by this lasso. (laughs) And Hellboy's getting pulled downwards by all these little homunculi guys.
1: I love these little gremlin dudes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And the distance between them is just getting further and further away. But he keeps telling her, hang on, I'm coming. Yeah. I'm (laughs) coming. (laughs) <laughs> he's like you still okay up there as she's getting choked and taken away by a, by one of these little goblins he's like i'm coming for you don't worry as he just fades into blackness so this reminds me a little bit on wolves of saint august when she fell down that pit yeah. he, that's the same yeah. thing he told her he said i'm coming for you and then he came around he came right out right around for her someone
1: who looks like him being so optimistic about yes. <laughs> situations like this is very yeah the... The, the
0: this one is really great i just th- there's a lot of humor to this scene but it, but it, there's also a lot of just kind of dread and like what the shit is going on right <laughs> well these little
1: goblin <laughs> dudes are so weird i love the way uh they're drawn
0: yeah these little homunculi they're the they're little crude homunculi back at the Weyer institute abe looks at liz and he just puts his hands on the glass she just looks horrible right and she's got these little like just those little strands of hair that are kind of all bent and hanging <laughs> little, off. Those little
1: flyaways. Yeah,
0: they they, they give a lot of uh. The, well, in her
1: eyes, yeah. like her face is so yeah. I I there's no dialogue, but there's plenty of dialogue.
0: Well, I was just gonna say,
2: like her coloring also looks. Taylor. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: So we're cut. we over in the next issue now, and Abe is still watching Liz. He says it can't be long now, and she just drops her cigarette. We're back at Capitaneni Monastery, somewhere underground, and Hellboy is still telling Kate that he's coming for her. And he has this great scene with these skeletons, right? I really love this. Oh, yeah. He walks into this place, and these skeletons, they're all haunted and just strewn about. And they're, like, doing all their haunting thing. And he's like, well, I might be able to help you out with that. And they just stand yeah. up. And they're just like, oh, okay. They just they just get up they, like nothing. They drop
1: the little Skellington act. And exactly. they shamble up from the dust. And they're like, oh, they just lead him straight to the door. And yeah, he's so casual about thing. it. He's like, hey, good job. Thanks, guys. See ya. It's super cute and also creepy. Yeah. Really cute.
0: I love these little kind of moments. And so what they tell him is that as long as the walls are standing, they're cursed to stay there. Right. And so he's like, I might be able to help you out with that. We all know Hellboy's good at knocking shit down. <laughs> then when he says, thanks guys, see ya. And he like closes them yeah, back in the wall. Yeah. And it's just this one little panel of this one skull like just waiting wow, there. Yeah. It's kind of, these people were burned to death for worshipping the devil. But there's this little humorous scene with it's, them where yeah. they seem very innocent. And you're almost kind of like, man, I, I hope he helps them. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're,
1: they're cute and creepy. And it kind of, there's this constant just ever pervasive theme of, redemption and how people are deserving of redemption even no matter what they did even if it's a thousand years later yeah. like
2: yeah it also seems like they accepted their fate and like they realized that right they were doing some bad shit. oh yeah
0: they said that they decided to stay right i think that they they could have escaped but yeah. they, they stayed there and burned and hellboy just talks to them like regular people oh, too i kind of like that yeah. too
1: super cute and just creepy weird but cute. Yeah. i like it
0: <laughs> we get to the older homunculus's lab In the lost tunnels under the castle, and on the wall, I noticed this bird symbol. Did you see that bird symbol in the corner with the two? So I wonder if he painted that to symbolize them two coming together and the two brothers being reborn or something like that. Well, and
1: they look yeah, like you said, they look like they're merging together. So
0: yeah, it also looks like they're kind of like you know just buds out having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) So the older homunculus he talks about, he's been making these metal bones for a hundred years, or he made them a hundred years ago and now he's been working in flesh. So that's all the cemeteries. Um, That's why they were missing all these bodies, because he's using them to work on a new body.
1: He's pouring this giant vat of molten human flesh and fat with this hook, and it's very... It's a a scene, man.
0: It's a scene. He says that in their giant form, they'll be able to stride the earth together to build, grow, climb, to crack wide the celestial vault and rake there for secret knowledge.
1: That's a good-ass line. Yeah, so I like
0: that. (laughs) But first, they have to become liquid, so that's kind nice. of a downer, and it kind of makes me think a little bit of that scene with Rasputin and Elsa, where he's like, "Oh, you can oh, come yeah. with me beyond the threshold of the you know of the dragon sacrifice but first, you've got to get in this thing and get yeah. shut in and stabbed so. a million times and bleed out and we see one of those little homunculus uh guys, and it's got Kate. So that's where she went after she, she was taken up on that noose. So she's still alive, but she's being held captive. Another onion for the soup. Oh, man, that little oh. line is is so funny. That's how they see the humans, yeah. right? That's how he's taught them to look at people. Well, I like how Kate's like, who's the idiot? I and mean, you think little homunculus, like,
2: oh, no, 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 the master. The master, yeah. <laughs>
0: that's true. I like that. It looks like the younger homunculus doesn't feel that way because he thinks about Liz right? Um, when he's looking at Kate. And so when he's saying that they're raw materials to use, he's kind of thinking about Kate. He remembers everything that happened, and he just says no. And he punches that little homunculus away. There's a lot of action in this page, right? Because he punches that homunculus. He comes to make sure that Kate is okay. Then he gets his hit in the head by Hellboy, who's just arriving on the scene, not knowing what was going on. Well,
1: and it's the difference between breaking that cycle of what was done to you and saying, no, we're going to get revenge in this exact same way. So, like... He's i think p- another part of the reason why he's seeing them as as people who are whole and their they have their own thoughts and dreams and wishes and fears and and goals and and loves and you know they have they have all these because he wants to be imbued with that he sees himself as someone deserving of that and he he wants to experience this life he wants to be a person yeah. and this other this other homunculus you know the older brother or whatever he's He's like, no, fuck this. They treated us this way. So we're going to fucking do that to the whole world. We're going right. to just, you know, burn everything to the, they're just parts. They're just parts of our, our gross soup. And we're going to make a giant homunculus out of them and all <laughs> this stuff. Like it is the difference between breaking that cycle and moving forward right. and seeking redemption and staying stuck in that, that abusive, gross kind of revenge sort of right. thing. Like, well, fuck it.
0: And, and I think the difference here yeah. is the, young, the younger one's been touched by this interaction with Liz. Absolutely. He has this absolutely. interaction here and he's just like, no, you know, now I have a different viewpoint on yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So for the older homunculus, he's having like the worst day ever. Think <laughs> about this. He's been waiting for this epic reunion with his brother. He's been laboring for hundreds of years. And so he just freaks out in this moment. He's like, God damn it. My brother's turning against me. Now all these people are invading my lab. I'm just going to do this. He uses Anger to enact his plans for the new body by melting into the oven. While he's going in there, the whole uh, the whole castle, the whole tower starts to crumble around them, and they all jump out the window, the three of them. Kate, Hellboy, and the younger Homunculus. And then we behold the Colossus, right? This giant Homunculus emerges from the tower.
1: Or from that gigantic oven. That's
0: yeah, his, yeah. His bacon... The six-story oven. His
1: bacon oven. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love the sense of size. As you see, our heroes are like little specks on the ground compared oh, to this yeah. giant just emerging out of... Bursting out of this tower it is just really great. Well,
1: and they're, they've they been kind of reduced to shapes, but yeah. that's how you would see them if they were that far away. I and love when love Yola does that. That sense of... Yeah, and, and and by not putting that much detail, he really does give it that that sense of scale and i really do think that that's a very effective way of of completing the splash page
0: kate thinks that she's having a heart attack as they are chased by this giant homunculus who calls himself god and he also kind of speaks in the third person right like um
1: he's oh he's lost right
0: (laughs) yeah these are just all great scenes as he's kind of chasing them down i really love all this witness the this is the power of god yeah, I'm like, yeah, All right, dude, come on. <laughs> oh, God's too slow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so I love this where he says, "Sure, now hold that pose," and he throws the tree at him. Yeah, and he says, "Now God has a tree in his neck." Right? <laughs> they have this really great fight. The giant homunculus picks up Hellboy, and Hellboy says, "Do your worst," and he just starts crushing him in his hands. It just says crunch, and you kind of see Hellboy strain from from the, the the pull of being squeezed like that the is just is beating him down in the palm of his hand it's really i, I don't know there's just a it's, very grisly moment Hellboy's just like the blood splatter is going everywhere and you just get this sense of Hellboy's just being pummeled to death by this guy. Yeah it's very brutal. Yeah, it really is. So
1: our homunculus guy comes up with this little this little uh plan here.
0: Yeah, he distracts his brother. What does he tell him?
1: Well he's he's saying I didn't realize that you were offering me all of this. Now that I see you, now that I really see what you, you know what I might have had, like I you know, I I'd rather die than go on as I am now. Please say it's not too late for us to really do this Planned together, and of course that hits him right where yeah. It hurts. And I love I
0: love this. All he has to show you is that scene with the eye and yeah. him dropping Hellboy, yeah. and you know that he's kind of really made. He's made it into him.
1: What what Mignola chooses to focus on in any given panel yeah. never ceases to amaze me because it really is this huge element of cinematography in in his work.
0: The older homunculus, now in this giant body, he consumes a younger brother, and the younger one says, "It is what it is." what it must be. And I love this panel where he just kind of waits. There's like a moment yeah. where he just kind of has his arms stretched out, like, okay, what's gonna happen? And then he just starts burning from the inside, like melting. right? The younger brother is using Liz's fire to burn the giant body. And it's a pretty gnarly scene as this is all melting out. Um again, we don't really see like flames or anything. We just kind of get no, the coloring it's just boiling, and then the so and it it molten lava kind of yeah.
1: and Hellboys, look out! That's boiling human fat. <laughs> Gross. Gross. <laughs> Ugh,
2: nasty. Gross.
0: And then, so all that's left are the giant metal bones. I always wondered, like, what happened to those giant metal bones? Oh, like, did man. the BPRD come get those? What did they do with they them? They leave them there like, in the countryside. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Maybe they're just still out there. Maybe they became a tourist attraction the, Yeah, Romania. the local townspeople
1: like, then this is an installation by our most prominent local artist here. <laughs> this is our most haunted
0: art installation. Right. And the younger homunculus emerges, right? He, he blows out from all the melting fat. Yeah. He's still alive and so hellboy kind of grabs him and he's like enjoy it uh, while it lasts pal you're coming with us cuz
1: he knows that he can save liz probably right so yeah. they have
0: this little confrontation the younger homunculus doesn't really want to have anything to do with it he says look i just killed my own brother to save all you people now just leave me alone and he actually starts burning hellboy yeah
1: they have a little scuffle here and hellboy can't be burnt
0: he can't right he's he's fireproof and again, I keep coming back to the fire, but there's this panel at the bottom where Hellboy's saying, asking um, the homunculus to remember how he got the fire. And you really get the sense that he's on fire, but yeah. there's not really a lot. When you look at it, it's it's just the use of the shading yeah. and the coloring to really give you the sense that these flames are just kind of it's pouring not, out. It's not your yeah. typical
1: classic uh, way that flames would be illustrated, right? I really I really like that a lot because it's, it's almost a hotter, smoldery... Yeah kind of a fire
0: hellboy's able to convince him to come yeah. back with him to the Weir institute
1: well yeah like you were saying like remember how you got this power right like, like why are you even here why yeah, are you exactly. even alive to regret stuff you know
0: yeah so they the, the homunculus gets into the hospital liz had has just died and so hellboy says no one's dead until i say they are And Abe just looks crushed, right, in that little panel while he's sitting there with his broken arm, just looking at Liz. He says, Roger, give him the juice. And uh, Sidney Leach is like, Roger? Right, because you think about it from Leach's point of view, what he saw was this thing come alive, leave Liz with nothing, kill waller and then burst out through the thing and then so now it just shows up hey this is roger yeah well what's beautiful about that moment
1: is we didn't even see that we didn't need to see that whole interaction of him naming roger like hellboy named him in the car right <laughs> i'm gonna see it's it too. fantastic He's probably just like eh, i'm gonna call you roger it's a it's a great moment mm-hmm. and there's a lot of lovely moments in this script uh that give us a break from the hardcore aspects yeah. of it which you know is it's always a relief to have that, and it, it makes any good, you know, script to kind of punch it up with those little. <laughs> Roger Hellboy named him in the car. I would love it's
0: to. A... I would love to see that that scene in the car where Hellboy decides <laughs> to name. I wonder if he had like other names. If they went back and forth. What do you think about this one? Adorable. Oh. going <laughs> well, um, to
2: call you. This. No, no, that, is, that isn't fit. <laughs>
0: Roger gives Liz her power back, and I love this panel. Um, you get the sense of this power transference and everything, and Roger is kind of left sputtering out almost with nothing he just kind of collapses but liz wakes up she turns around she just goes weird <laughs> right <laughs> and I, I love this interaction between manning and hellboy they're just like good job thanks chief like yeah yeah he just brought someone yeah, back from the dead
1: it's a standard day
0: manning says they're gonna send the homunculus back to the lab and maybe the boys can do something for him and in the end all things considered he wasn't that bad a guy yeah. so the end question mark and we just yeah. see the homunculus lane there so roger the homunculus here's his his introduction to the team and uh hopefully we'll be seeing more of him soon so uh some extra things about almost colossus it was based on a short story by clark ashton smith that's one of mignola's favorite writers from weird tales pulp magazine also the scene with the cross in the mountains was based on um a frankenstein movie that mignola enjoyed and he also mentioned that Liz was not originally going to survive the that story.
1: blew my mind.
0: Yeah. Originally, he was going to kill Liz. When
1: I read that, I was like, what? what? And so oh, would, wow. what does he say? He says like, someone talked him out of it and made him feel so ashamed of that idea that he managed to. How, what does he say?
0: He says it was Glenn Murakami <laughs> who saved her. He was so horrified when I mentioned that I was going to kill her <laughs> that off it. that yeah. I was shamed into saving her. Yes. It worked out well yeah I think it worked out well for all of us too so I can't Some even imagine on that
1: yeah, the story without Liz in it I mean it's
0: so now we're going to discuss the right hand of doom right, the right hand of doom was published in 1998 in the Dark Horse presents annual and it was colored for the collected edition. Um, I assume it's James Sinclair again on the colors uh no, actually uh, it's uh Dave Stewart. Oh, Oh, awesome. Okay, so uh, Dave Stewart colored this for the Collected Editions, and so it was originally in black and white. Thanks for that, Aubrey. Mm -hmm. We open in Spain, and Hellboy meets with priest Adrian Frost. Adrian Frost is the son of Malcolm Frost, who we met briefly during Seat of Destruction. He was part of the British Paranormal Society, and he was there at Hellboy's birth. He was the guy who initially freaked out and wanted Hellboy killed. Adrian Frost reveals to Hellboy that he's dying. And he talks a little bit about his father, how his father uh, spent many years of his life convincing them that Hellboy was too dangerous to be allowed to live, Mm -hmm. Um, but he failed when Hellboy was granted honorary human status in 1952 and died a little bit after. And he tries to tell Hellboy that his father wasn't evil, but that he was just afraid and that he burned most of his papers before he died. But he found this little paper in the tucked away in his bible in the book of revelations i love
1: the way mike draws these little scrolls and scraps of ancient parchment the line art's very satisfying there oh
0: yeah and so hellboy says uh, it's old lemurian the accounts on lemuria differ some people believe it was real some people believe it was fictional they all share a common belief that the content that the continent probably existed in ancient times and sank beneath the ocean as a result of geological often cataclysmic change such as pole shift, which such theorists anticipate will destroy and transform the modern world. So that's where we get the Lemurian from. And Hellboy says that it says, behold the right hand of doom. And I looked down into the end of the world and saw the beast. And in his right hand was the key to the bottomless pit. This is supposedly quoted from Paul Sylvester II in AD 999, who actually lived during this time. So I don't know if he actually said that, but it's a good little pull from that piece of historical fiction, and he says that he will that he will give the the parchment to Hellboy for a price. He just wants to hear his story, and so we get a cool little moment. Um, I guess maybe not everybody had read *Seat of Destruction* or *Awake the Devil* or *The Chain Coffin*, but here we kind of all time together.
1: Well, I like this little lead in here. We've got little little Hellboy. He's got his little horns. Yeah, My right hand looks giant on him. It's just this little boy, and he. You know, because in the next picture, he's he's snapped off the horn. So the horns are something that actually grow with him, whereas, like we talked about before, the hand is just, like, right. huge. Right, it stays the same size and he's every written time. his little name in chalk, it says Hellboy.
2: Oh, yeah. I was going to ask, was it a cigarette in his hand? But I guess it's the chalk. Oh, yeah, it looks, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it looks
0: like he wrote that on but the But in box. the next page, he does have, like, a cigarette, right? Yeah. Right. And <laughs> either <laughs> that or he's chewing on some chalk. <laughs> And then he, uh, that little frog jumping through there, we actually saw that frog in Seat of Destruction that was actually pulled from there.
1: Well, a lot of these panels are, yeah.
0: Yeah, right they're there. a lot of the panels. So we we talk about Seat of Destruction, but we also tie it into the Chain Coffin. You know, he says that all the stuff that Rasputin told him at the end of Seat of Destruction put a bug in his ear and caused him to go to East Bromwich, where we where he the events of the Chain Coffin happen. So he learns all that, and then after that, we recount the events of Wake the Devil too, where he encountered Hecate, and she told him that, you know, she t- basically told him the same thing that everybody else has been telling him. His horns grew out, and um, he snapped them off. It kind of does a nice job of tying all these stories together that we've read to kind of make them, make us realize how, how they all fit in case we weren't, you know, catching all those connections. The priest asks uh, Hellboy if he thinks that maybe he's off the hook. And he says, how can you be? What about the hand? And Hellboy says, "What if I cut it off?" And it's got uh, yeah. that little—it's got the little yeah—the little dialogue again, the it's little so lettering, tiny, the
1: little words exactly. And you get really a sense of how small his voice is, like very meek and
0: maybe funny. he's like, like, like almost embarrassed or afraid to say that he's been considering that. You well, know? And it's
1: also yeah, like what if I cut it off? Like it's yeah, there's a, there's an element of fear there. There's a lot of yeah. So it's yeah. it's wonderfully done.
0: And what would you do with it? Where would it ever be safe? What if it were you? And you
1: can tell maybe he hasn't even thought about that yet. And this next splash page right after that is, it's, we get a vision of what that would look like and it's the creepiest possible splash page ever in the history of sequential art. It's amazing. Yeah.
0: So, this hooded figure just holds the right hand of doom, and he's just saying Hellboy's true name, Anung Rama, as the world is just in total ruin. It's the
1: ultimate fucking aesthetic. I'm nourished by this apocalyptic hellscape. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, the coloring it, here is great, too.
2: I was going to say, yeah, I really enjoy um, the way that Dave Stewart has the colors in this. It's just so vibrant and fucked up looking. And
0: it's sandwiched in between kind of. You know, us just talking to the priest, too, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, a real it, it's kind of a very kind of dull moment. And then we get to this giant splash page, and it's just so, it really kind of takes you aback when you see it. You know, this kind of hooded figure just standing on this broken piece of, with the rebar sticking out it's and everything. It just jarring. looks like. It is. You just get the sense that the world is in just well, total holding chaos. Holding
1: Hellboy's severed arm, right. too. The, you know. Still
0: dripping blood. <laughs> yeah. Pretty awesome adrian frost tells hellboy that the right hand is his burden um and i like this moment he does seem genuinely touched to meet him right so he like kind of puts his hand on him he puts his hand on his face and he tells, he tells him he doesn't god bless you and keep you my son go in peace right but hellboy's just left Bluttering. thinking like hand of doom Jeez, yeah. right what a life as he steps outside yeah, and he yeah, just yeah. kind of looks outside it, you can see like the sun is shining down now and everything and we get this little just kind of closing image with the picture of Hellboy, the little parchment and the crown. That's just really beautiful. and Just a really nice way to kind of send this off, and this little story just kind of tied everything together really nicely.
2: Yeah, I'd I say I really like it. It was like a nice little recap for everything because, like, I guess like these stories have been coming out over the years. Uh, it's not like it was like after a month or something like right. that, right? And so it's like a nice little little recap, you know, like you just say, like a good introduction for people who maybe haven't read
0: the stuff before. Right. It was in Dark Horse Annual 1998, so it had been four years since everything had started coming out.
1: It also introduces the very fucked up ideas of the furthering, <laughs> furthering the ideas of Hellboy's Right Hand of Doom. What is it? We're, you know, I'm obsessed with this. It's a weird, what the fuck's going on with this thing? And so while recapping all these stories, it also brings us some new ideas about what if someone chopped off hellboy's fucking right, if somebody arm got it yeah and you know co- like decided to conduct the apocalypse with right. it, like, oh, I don't know, that's that like that's possible that's a possibility fu- exactly right? and so the the we get a little bit more of a light into uh, some of that and that's that's always enjoyable for me yeah
0: it is great and so mike said that he did this scene to return focus to the stone hand all right next we're going to talk about box full of evil Box of Evil was originally published as a two-part miniseries in '99 with Mignola and Dave Stewart on colors. The story opens up in and Hill, England. Hellboy and Abe interview Mister Heath, and he tells them of this horrible event, right, that happened the previous night. At midnight, this little guy came in, and they were all frozen in place. And I like how he goes horrible, like he just he just can't believe that that this. I just like the little the the speaking mannerisms yeah. of this little man. So he had this candle that looked like a hand, and he uh, he brought it into the house. He dug something out of the wall, and then he left the candle there. And Mr. Heath and all his staff were frozen in place until 1130. So I was thinking about this. It's almost 12 hours. Yeah, Can you imagine 12 hours of just being there and like not being able to move yeah, or anything? It was all too horrible. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Can you explain it? And the hell was Abe? It's a real hand. Yeah. It's very.
0: So Abe, um, so I, I <laughs> love this little panel.
1: You know, he and he asks, Can you explain it? And the hellboy is just Abe, it's a real hand. It's very just matter of fact <laughs> yeah. in the field kind of thing.
2: I like how a uh, dude's like real hand and puts his hand over his mouth and he's about to throw up.
0: Right. Yeah. So this is called a hand of glory and it's a hand uh, of a hanged man dried dipped in wax and made into a candle and it can unlock doors and immobilize everybody in the house. If and you use it right. If you use it right. And I love this panel. They're that, just so the, non about yeah, it. Yeah. It's very this this panel of Abe saying it's a real hand. I was I was telling Danielle I followed this Twitter called Random Hellboy. <laughs> yeah. And they just post random <laughs> images and they posted just that just that panel of Abe saying it's a real hand. And I just loved <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is perfect. It's just pure Mignola. In, and then the, d- in that the panel. little
1: description of the artifact, it gives it a lot of flavor.
0: Right, right. And one of the, so when this man came in and dug this stuff out of the wall, he dug a box out and these like tongs or whatever. Hellboy and Abe look at this spot where the box was dug out of the wall and they find a picture of St. Dunstan. Mm. St. Dunstan was an archbishop of Canterbury who lived in the 900s. And there are legends of him outsmarting devils. There's one legend that he got a devil by its face with the tongs, which we're going to see, we hear of in a little bit. I was going to say, I like how he he goes, It's a portrait of St. Duncan Dunstall, and Hellboy is the one who says, Dunstan? Yeah. That's it. That's right. St. Dunstan, he apparently, uh, I read this really cool one, he repaired a hoof for a demon, but he hit the horseshoe in there too hard and it hurt the demon, and so he told the demon that he would remove it, but that the demon could not go anywhere where there was a horseshoe from from then on mm-hmm. and so that's why there's a lucky horseshoe that's where that comes from it's that a horseshoe cool. is for good luck it has something to do with saint Dun- dunstan i don't mm-hmm. know if oh, i maybe wow. i told that wrong but that's um pretty cool. that's one of those little stories too so he's got a history saint dunstan has a history of outsmarting devils and stuff like that in in, mm-hmm. in the real in the real legends or whatever when hellboy sees the saint dunstan on the wall he hears of the box and the tongs he has a bad feeling because he knows of of all this stuff already mm-hmm. They ask Mr. Heath for more information, and all he remembers is a house that looks like the house from The Fall of Usher by Poe. In the Edgar Allan Poe story, Fall of the House of Usher, he describes a house that seems like it's drawing all the darkness from around it. Like, it's so creepy that it's like drawing all the darkness from the murky lakes around it and everything.
1: And now we get to look at the lives of a wonderful couple in that house. <laughs> they seem like they would be great dinner guests. Right, so we're over <laughs> at
0: Loch now, which is a real t- uh, town in Scotland. And that little weird man is there, and we learn that he's Mr. Bromhead, and he's telling this St. Dunstan-, Dunstan story to this old couple. So he's telling them how St. Dunstan, he got a demon uh, with the tongs, and the, the the truth of the matter. Is that he put the demon into a box and 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 stamped it so that way the the demon couldn't get out. And, and he so they put
1: um, holy seals all around on the right. inside and the outside and all that stuff to
0: kind of lock him in there. Yeah. What he was doing in that previous scene was he was retrieving this demon in his box for this couple. They want to. What do they want to do with this box?
1: They they've got they've got kind of a kink here. They're uh, they're giving away all their worldly goods so that they can belong to Satan. Yeah. From this day forward, my husband and I belong to Satan.
0: <laughs> and Bromhead's like, okay, I'll, I'll um, take care of that for right? you. He's like, sure.
1: Sounds good. He's a so, businessman. He's a businessman, right? foremost.
0: So he gives them the key to open this box. Uh, so this old woman, we learn her name is Bellona, and all she asks for, she wants to give Satan his freedom. But she just asks, do not come forth in a shape that is too horrible. And right. she thinks of, like, this handsome man. Well, she, she says, imagines,
1: like, a horrible beast in right. one panel and the next one, yeah, it's like this handsome dude or whatever. Hey, did you – you were telling me something about this character design earlier. Could you uh, say oh, that yeah, again? Yeah, what yeah. were you no, saying no. about this guy? Okay,
0: so I was reading that uh, Mignola-based uh, Bromhead on Peter Laurie. so earlier earlier today i was earlier today i was actually watching some youtube videos of peter laurie just to kind of i wanted to see what he looks like and what he talks like and it was really interesting i was like i could i could see bromhead looking and talking like that yeah he
1: wanted this kind of like smarmy smiegel
0: yeah yeah and so i was watching some peter laurie clips earlier today to kind of get get ready for for reading the story again
1: gore guy
2: I didn't actually make that connection, but then when you said it, I was like, oh Hi, my god, yeah. he does look like Peter Lorre. <laughs> he really
0: does. He really does, if, if, you've, if you've ever seen video clips of him. So Bromhead asks the man what does he want, and he says enough gold to lie down in and a, and a gold crown on his head. Mm. And Bromhead's like, oh, that's a very good wish. And so the box opens up, and at first they think it's empty, but then we see a little fly come out. And the fly goes into the woman's mouth, and she immediately becomes possessed. And she just tells the man, you're a monkey. That's under the first thing she un- does. Uh, under, her pro- under her possession, she says, you're a monkey. And he just turns into a monkey. And then she turns to Bromhead, and she's like, and you, lizard or pig? So she's going to turn him into something, too. And she's
1: no longer herself. Right. Can definitely tell that's... Straight up a demon. She's been oh, possessed yeah. by whatever That's was that fly that came out of there. Yeah, and then it, So he seems very nonplussed by this. He seems very un, unimpressed. He's underwhelmed. Yeah, he's, he's like, like uh, do whatever you want. Are you done yet? That's like, right. Okay.
0: Lizard or pig?
2: Uh,
1: can't decide. Uh, I don't care. Do your worst. Yeah, do whatever.
0: So she tries to go after him, but he reveals to her that he's protected. And he's protected by all these names, which are Hebrew name. A lot of them mean God in Hebrew. I was looking them up. Right. Yeah. By the, the name of and, and yeah, and by the name of Saint Dunstan, whose image protects him. So he has the he's image got those of
1: tongs in that little seal. Yeah,
0: he's got the image of Saint Dunstan on his little uh, medallion that he's wearing around his neck, and so that that also protects him.
1: And then the uh, the little the little demon guy is well, it's the the demon is returned to I guess his his. His form, his initial form. By using
0: all those names, he's been able he's to revealed, reduce them. yeah. And he's so. also uses his secret name, yeah, which is Wallach. Wallach, I, I guess was going to say Wallach. I, I was, I was actually looking this up. This demon name is kind of common. It's pronounced a lot of different ways. It's most commonly pronounced Volak, mm, okay. I think. But I think for this, we'll say Wallach. And he's a minor demon of hell. And so since Bromhead knows his name, it gives him power. Over I
1: love him. this little demon guy. It's a great design. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, obviously, because I, I am a fan of Mike Mignola's art. But it's a great, it's a fantastic design. He almost looks like a little gargoyle dude. Yeah. And I can almost hear his little voice like a little frog. You know what yeah. I mean? I just really mm-hmm. love this design a lot. His his, And then later on the next page, we see more of his, his hands and his face. And his little mouth is very, he's just a weird little guy. I right. like him.
0: And so Bromhead says that his name was inscribed... On the inside of the box, and we get to look at that little sigil, that seal, yeah, I the, like the sigil. way that looks, yeah, you know, that's something that Mignola probably had a lot of fun designing. Well,
1: actually, he did not design that. That is from the Lesser Key of Solomon.
0: Ah, yeah, okay. But
1: um, I absolutely love the line art here. He yeah. he he does a great job with with those seals, for sure. Those sigils are
0: on point. Good deal. Bromhead tells Wallach that he wants um, wealth and power. I uh, I know that's not very original um (laughs) right (laughs) and so walak tells him wealth you have already there's a treasure in the house that that hasn't been discovered right he tells him there's going to be a treasure in there um so that will be enough wealth to buy you whatever earthly power you want but i have another power that's even greater and so brahm like tell me and he tells him that the great beast harbinger of the apocalypse is alive in this world He has denied his fate, but he has never given up his crown. It is invisible to him and to all men, but he wears it. Uh, I love that.
1: I love that dialogue so much.
0: And Wallach describes everything from the pit. So, you know, we get a sense since he's a demon, maybe he has perception into this world because yeah
1: he goes even in my prison i have heard them whisper his secret name so he's so fucking creepy
0: so we we know that the ogre jihad calls out to rasputin and it calls out to hellboy and so i guess it calls out to everybody and if you can hear it if you're on that frequency then you can kind of especially (laughs) if you've been trapped for a long time i guess and you've just been with nothing you're zeroing
1: in on anything right that's passing through those frequencies for sure
0: and so he's learned hellboy's secret name and we already know from what's been happening that that gives him power over Hellboy. So Bromhead's like, can you bring him here? And he's like, he's here already, right? Outside Hellboy and Abe, they're they're, they're coming to uh, investigate the house. Hellboy knows that it's the same house because Broom described it the same way. <laughs> Apparently they had been there earlier for some witchcraft thing. And we reveal that Hellboy and Abe know about Bromhead. His name is Igor Bromhead, and they've encountered him before. They comment on, you know... How convenient it was that Mister Heath saw that vision of the house. So I think they start to maybe sense that they're getting set up for something.
2: I see. I also like how he um calls um uh yeah Guadino yeah how he said like "Eh, that guy's always he bought the house a year or two ago and he's like oh bet he got it cheap and he's like no he's always getting scammed right yeah
0: (laughs) so we get a sense that this guy that asked for the enough gold to line in a crown that he's been seeking wealth for a long time and he's not maybe the the best the best reputation yeah. Yeah. So they go and they knock on the house and I love this creepy house. Absolutely. Right? There's these taxidermy heads that are like bloods coming out of Disgusting. their mouth or whatever and there's yeah. all these like creepy pictures on the wall. So just this atmosphere, even the the knocker yeah. Um, is like a scary head with like a woman on it or something like that. It uh, it has yeah. it, got a really kind of creepy gothic design.
1: And they come yeah. across the, the box and these they well they opened it, Yeah. They're just so fucking
0: <laughs> And then we get one of probably one of the greatest three panels in all of Hellboy. <laughs> is that a monkey? he's got a gun and then the monkey <laughs> blam blam so this is just a uh, incredible that's
1: peak out of context hellboy episode.
0: yes and so i see that getting shared online yeah. a lot i even saw somebody made this really impressive like woodcut
1: yeah. of just
0: those three panels um just really iconic and i think it really sums up just a lot of what's great about this book you know yeah. a lot of what's just great about hellboy comics we Every once in a while, we get a moment it like It culminates that. into <laughs>
1: these moments that are just otherwise completely ridiculous, just bonkers. And wasn't there a statue made of...
0: I'm sorry. Yes, there was a monkey in the, with a gun, limited statue. Okay. I think that statue is longly sold out. But oh, wow. yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they do exist out there. And they were done by Mignola. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Okay, very cool.
0: So Abe gets shot um, by the monkey... And Bromhead calls Hellboy by his real name and freezes him in place. Right, so Hellboy's kind of trapped at this moment, and Bromhead tells him, By having your secret name, I have power over you. Right. And the monkey kind of drags Abe away for some other nefarious deed. Bromhead commands Hellboy by all the various demons, and he starts to say Astar.
1: Well he's gonna say Astaroth.
0: Yeah. I think. Yeah, um, he is. And Wallach a, says, No no, a, uh, Do not name him. His favors come at too high a cost.
1: And, uh, that's, he's commonly known, uh, in various occult grimoires and the Lesser Key of Solomon as a Duke of Hell. And he's part of an evil trinity with Lucifer and Beelzebub. And there are just a whole bunch of, I mean, these demons just go on. There's like maybe 400 fucking demons Mammon, Asmodeus, Leviathan, Satan, Belfagor, and, you know, a lot of these demons, um, Their power is derived from a sort of a sloth sort of a thing, and so I think that's what's keeping Hellboy immobilized here when he's Uh, invoking these demons and stuff. These demon names. And um, what's interesting, though, too, is that um, Astaroth was most likely named after the, uh, the equivalent of a Phoenician goddess Astarte, which is kind of on the level of the Mesopotamian goddess Ishtar. And so these translations most likely got messed up at, between the Greek and Latin versions of the Bible, and it was uh, supposed to be like a plural feminine in Hebrew, hmm. which I found really interesting when I was doing – I was looking all that up. That is that and is so, interesting. Yeah. You
0: did a little book report there. I did a little bit of a
1: book <laughs> report there, didn't
0: I? Uh, I thought it was interesting. We also learned that Wallach is Hellboy's cousin. Yeah. So they they do have, you know, some some relationships and you get a sense that they all kind of know each other. Yeah,
1: which is super cool. It's kind of like, you know, when your, your cousin's telling uh, tales out of school about your, your aunt so-and-so. And it's a very, <laughs> yeah, it's a very Days of Our Lives kind of a moment.
0: So Wallach is like, say the words that I instructed you to. Right, yeah. And Brom has starts saying the words that we saw at the end of Wake the Devil when Hellboy fell into the pit. And he heard the Ogdra Jihad say these same things to him and it caused his horns to grow out. And right? this
1: might be one of the coolest fucking panels in all of, I mean, I, I've said this several yeah. times, so I guess how much weight does that really hold when it comes from me? But this is one of the coolest fucking, this, this, is, this is by far one of the coolest moments we get is when he, the crown is made visible, the crown yes. of the apocalypse, which, oh my fucking God.
0: So his horns regrow, yeah, and the crown is visible. So I tried to go back and wake the devil and see, and the crown wasn't wasn't visible there. But I don't know if maybe he didn't get to his full. He didn't
1: get all the way, yeah. He there. he
0: didn't he he didn't get all the way to this full beast of apocalypse moment. Walek has this nice little bit of dialogue. He says here, and I saw the beast brought low, humbled and chained, and upon the smoke of his brow, the crown of the apocalypse. Fuck, and the so yeah, so Bromhead's like, take it, Walek, but remember who is slave and who is master. And he's like, always master yeah, as he right. takes as, as he, as he takes the crown, as he
1: puts the crown of the apocalypse on, on his own head. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And Bromhead decides that he just is going to beat Hellboy with these tongs for revenge. Or just because, you know, he's mad at him for putting him in jail for all those years. So we know these tongs are powerful against demons. So he's just beating Hellboy with them. We cut over to Abe in the dungeon. And Abe just kind of wakes up. He's like, how did I get? He's like, oh, now I remember. And there's just this monkey looking at him about to burn him with this hot iron. And that's where we end that issue. We're back uh, in the dungeon with Abe and the monkey. And Abe is like, good monkey. And then he just starts burning him, right? (laughs) Oh, my God. It's like, what is he he branding him with? I was trying to figure out what that symbol is. If that symbol has any significance, let us know. I didn't know if it was just like a hot iron that he's just branding him with. Back to Hellboy, he's just being beaten. And we, again, we see these like taxidermy animals just like crying blood and stuff like that. It's very just... You, you get a sense that this uh, that this house is very just haunted and just filled with all this evil. Oh, super evil. haunted. While uh, he tells had to stop uh, beating Hellboy, and he's like, I'm wiser than I was a moment ago. Um, and he tells him that if he kills him, then the right hand of doom will become poisoned against them and he's like so we we got to cut it off but we got to cut it off when he's alive when he's still alive he tells him that once he cuts it off they'll be able to loose the great and ancient thing the ogre Jahad, they'll be able to bring an army of hell to life and set a war against heaven and so that bringing an army of hell to life kind of reminds me of the plot of hellboy and the golden army which kind of revisits that same kind of theme that Hellboy can uh, awaken this army with his yeah. power, um, yeah. with his apocalypse powers.
1: And this guy is starting to freak out. And he's like, wait, there's a heaven?
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. And I like
0: how he says, uh, Bromhead of all men, you will most certainly never know, will you? <laughs> and he's like, now give me the tongs. And so... Bromhead gives walak uh, the the tongs, yes. and it turns into when a giant sword. When he melts sword. and recasts, yeah, the tongs into the yeah. sword
1: with his ancient demon magic, it's just too good.
0: So, as we're getting ready to cut off Hellboy's right hand, we cut to elsewhere, just like we did at the end of Wake the Devil. So we're in like this weird place, and last time we were in the elsewhere, we saw Baba Yaga, this kind of elf guy, and this hooded figure. And so now we see this little goblin guy, the other the elf guy, and the hooded figure again, and they're kind of just all watching Hellboy. I the- love their
1: demeanor. They're just very like matter of fact grandparents. Yeah.
0: And the goblin asks Hellboy about his name. Anang Unrama is the great beast. Upon his brow is set a crown of fire. And he's like, Do you have a crown of fire? Is that who you are? Yeah. Yeah. So well, he's that's kind of it's not
1: your name, is it?
0: exactly he's like what do you mean he's like what do those words mean and hellboy's like i don't know is that who you are well then it's not your name is it and so back on earth hellboy kind of wakes up he's like what are you about to do with that and he's able to stand up and they're shocked right he shouldn't be able to move well it's under under
1: the power of of saying no i get to decide what my own identity is i get to decide what my own destiny is and i'm gonna just under the power of my own Fucking strength of will. I'm gonna be like, you know what? Actually, I'm not the king of the fucking apocalypse. Right, right. I am somebody else.
0: And I also started thinking like, while Anangun Rama is probably his real name, like they've been calling him Hellboy since right. he was born. So like, so like,
1: what's a real name? Quote that's unquote. His like, kind what does it real, actually yeah, mean? Exactly. If that's not who you are, then that's not your fucking name. Like he says. So that's yeah, that's really cool. He's like, well, my name is Hellboy. So go fuck yourself. Right. Right. right.
0: <laughs> And so Bromhead's like, you said he shouldn't be able to move. And Wallach's like, silence, you yapping dog. So like a second ago, he was like, sure, master. I'll remember who's in charge. And now he's like, you're a yapping dog. Shut up. And they have a great fight, Wallach and Hellboy, right? He tells him, that's not my name anymore. Uh, That's yours. How about that? And so Hellboy is just able to punch the... He punches the the sword. Yeah, and just shatters it.
2: Oh, such a satisfying scene. Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And Bromhead just freaks out, right? He just starts running away. He's just getting the fuck out of there. He who knows. Who would have
1: thought that you can control demons from right. hell? Like,
0: <laughs> who would have thought messing
2: with demons from hell would be a would bad, be a bad idea. idea? Yeah.
0: Yes. And so, um, Abe is getting burned by the monkey. Hellboy is continuing to fight Wallach, and there's another Right Hand of Doom. Boom! Right mm-hmm. there. So like, he hits him with the Right Hand of Doom again. So I think that's number three now on our little counter. Yeah. Great the bit of action right here. I love how he kicks the monkey and then he just kind of like pulls the chains on the wall, pulling a piece of the wall out and just whacking him with that. He says you're not a good monkey, you're bad. Because that's what he was saying right before he burned him, right before he burned he's him, he was also like, good not monkey, actually good monkey. A monkey. Yeah. He's,
1: this is not like animal cruelty here. This is a, you know, he's been transmogrified into the form of a monkey, but it's still this dude. Yeah. This is
2: the dude who wanted to right. make a deal with the he, devil the, yeah, to so. get gold. to get, Yeah,
1: to get gold. So it's not like it's, yeah, he's not beating a monkey up.
0: And I love this action scene as he pulls pushes the monkey through the hole in the wall that he just made and he just kind of watches him there and it's mostly black the yeah. whole page is almost all black but
1: well he lets the he lets the negative space do the talking here he, yeah the yeah. position of these characters is very important and I really have such an appreciation for that I really love the way he lets like you said you know the the blacks are doing all the talking yeah. Here.
0: And you really get the sense that the monkey fell through into a hole or something, since there's so much Absolutely. of that negative space yeah. and everything.
2: And I, I like how it just says, thud, so you know the monkey hit hard yeah. when, he, <laughs> when he landed.
0: <laughs> Probably knocked him out. Hellboy and I continue to fight. Bromhead runs into Abe, who's very pissed off at him, and Abe just grabs at his cloak. I notice where he grabs at his cloak, it says crunch. Mm-hmm. So that's like a little detail right and there. And he kind of rips Yeah, he rips that. it away. He's like, uh, I didn't do anything. Right. <laughs> he keeps repeating that, too, which yeah. is so strange. It's like he's a he's just a little slime ball, and he... I don't know if he even realizes like how much of a sh- little shithead he is. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean?
1: <laughs> oh, and then the dude has the audacity to start praying to Lord Astaroth. So,
0: exactly. He traps himself in a room, and Abe is coming in there. Abe's like, unlock this door. And I love this little panel where he he calls to Astaroth, and there's like the pentagram behind him and there's these it's two statues
1: and all that stuff yeah
0: and and there's the two little statues it's just like a great little scene of him like it, just asking the great prince of hell at the at his at his like final hour and he says save me and there's a shot of this um shadowed figure with a scarf and a and a staff w- coming up abe is still banging on the door and it turns into a wall so bromhead got saved or or whatever he says, "Thank you. I am your humble servant." Now I, and then he realizes that the the Saint Dustin medallion that he was wearing was broken by Abe when Abe uh, got at his cloak.
1: This shit is fucked.
0: And Astros just says, "Igor Bromhead," right? And then he turned half half changed, right? Yeah. Half lizard. So remember. Yeah. Wallach said uh, lizard or pig. Yeah. And so I wonder if that had anything to do with it. It also reminds me of how Hecate was cursed by Thoth to be half-changed. Right, exactly. Right, so Bromhead is also kind of half-changed. He looks like he's half-Iguana, yeah, or something like that. Dealing with
1: a lot of, of animal changing as punishment. Right. A lot of that going on.
0: And he's trapped behind the wall now, too, on top of it. And we just see Astaroth there. I'm just standing there with, you know, with his, with his staff. Hellboy and Wallach continue to fight. And Wallach says that Hellboy has almost become human. I mean, he's more powerful than him. And yeah, he says, well, that makes me a lot better than you. And he snaps off his horns. And right at the last moment, Wallach says, Astro, save me. And right, he was, the, he was the one who said earlier, don't call him. Right. Yeah. He says his favors come at two. Con- but at the, this last moment, he doesn't know what else to do. He knows he's going to get stabbed he with those horns. He snaps
1: off his devil horns and uses them to stab another devil. So metal.
0: Yes. <laughs> and I love how the, the Wallach's devil body just kind of remains frozen in that position that he stabbed him in. Like it just like hangs there in the air, kind of thrown back. And the little fly, like, buzzes out yeah. of it. But I get the sense that the body is still just kind of like static. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, yeah. Like
1: a carapace of a... Oh, my God. What are they called? Cicada, like a cicada's yeah. carapace? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would like to see that, like, all, like, delicate. And yeah. You could crush it or whatever. Hang it
1: on your shirt. Do Did you ever see when you were a kid take those cicada carapaces? Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, know. I was the just The little...
1: Like... Well, they're not carapaces. I guess they're, they're the molted the skin.
2: Yeah, it's the... Um...
1: Yeah.
2: Man, I haven't seen one of those... <laughs> the exoskeleton we've been yeah. seeing them lately we
1: see a lot of them lately it's yeah. the end of summer so they're they're out yeah. and about right now but i love uh if you can manage to catch them the little fresh cicada that comes out they're bright green they're the brightest green they're super oh, really yeah. cute they're yeah. really pretty I like oh yeah them.
2: no the, the only actually ever seen a live one once and it was really? bright green yeah most of the time i just find the the shell <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. yeah but i haven't i don't know. Man. I
1: surprise them in my garden sometimes by accident when I'm watering and they, they lay out these like chirps. They sound like birds and they fly mm-hmm. up in the tree and they're just like drying uh, their wings off honking yeah. at me. No, we don't <laughs> have
2: anything cool like that in ours. We just have, we have snails eating our plants. Snails, <laughs> you know, I
1: like snails. Snails are fantastic.
2: Oh, uh, they are until you get like billions
0: of them.
1: Right. Well, when there's, yeah. Too much of anything is, you know, yeah, yeah everything in moderation, even snails.
0: Even Snails. So Wallach tries to flee his demon body in the little fly form and Hellboy's just like, oh, you're tricky, but how fast are you? He just jumps out the window after him <laughs> and he grabs him in that stone hand. I like how the little buzzing cuts off like just as and he... And I
1: like like, he's, just, he's like, ha! And then he's right about as yeah. he's about to fall into the lake.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it's great. Fantastic. Yeah, and he's still, in, in <laughs> he the next panel, he's it. still holding the it, it above the water, about right? this guy. Mm-hmm. And so Astaroth confronts him well done he says what the hell are you doing here and so hellboy has an idea of who he is he kind of already knows knows about him right he goes ahead and gives him he says what the hell what am i gonna do with him and uh astral kind of freezes him in a little amber thing yeah, i really like that cool. he's like back in prison for another thousand years one should know and accept his, his place in the scheme of things, and don't you think?
1: Yeah, he's back in his little goblin form.
2: I yeah. I think it's really fitting that he's tra- trapped in amber because he turned into a... Um, oh,
1: right,
0: like a, oh, a little yeah, insect. That's right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Sure. super yeah. good. Yeah.
0: And he also says one should accept one should know and accept his place in the scheme of things, don't you think? So he's also talking to Hellboy. Yeah, he's talking to Hellboy you know. exactly. He's like, he's like, you know, there's you all the, cause the apocalypse. Wouldn't yeah. that be
1: great if you commanded this uh, weird dragon in Yeah,
0: and I love how he's just like, and there's still the matter of this. He's got the crown he's got the of it. Yeah, oh, it's so good. And so Hellboy's like, I don't want any of that. You know, you can. Um, he's about to tell him to shove it up his ass, <laughs> and Astaroth says, "I'll keep it for you in hell." In pandemonium, in the house of the fly, there is a seat reserved for you. The crown will wait for you there when you want it. Call and he's, me. And, he's, yeah. and and I love this. That's
1: some good shit right there. You can almost
0: see him like doing a little thing. Yeah, Call yeah, yeah. me.
1: <laughs> and I want to say, this depiction of Astaroth, I mean, this this should be the depiction of Astroth. I don't know if you've ever Googled any right. of this or looked at the... This should be on the Wikipedia page. This should be the penultimate yeah. I mean, Mike Mignola is going back and he is... He's doing modern depictions of these, all this ancient folklore and all of these various religions mm-hmm. and 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 mythology and all this stuff. And this this the mythology that he is depicting is, I mean, these are some penultimate yeah. fucking depictions. And yeah. I'm I'm I might be a little biased, but I I, I really do think that I'm I'm surprised that. He hasn't had a greater, what's the word I'm looking for? Saturation, I guess, mm. in, the, yeah. in the modern art world. It's really...
0: That's what we're trying to do here exactly. on this podcast. Oh, yeah. We're <laughs> trying to spread the word. did he
1: recently have a... Uh, he had an exhibit at an the exhibit MoMA. An exhibit at the MoMA. I was yeah. about to say, yeah. yeah, he had that exhibit at the MoMA. And so that's... I wish we could
0: have made it out to that. I know. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that would have been... Um, but awesome. I just love also Mignola's style of mixing these kind of like epic big demon horrible looking but his content is just (laughs) call me like it's just very to us we would have our minds blown by seeing this but with these two characters they're just just kind of giving some random yeah uh trivial dialogue he's like call me he's like don't hold your breath yeah (laughs) you know what i mean to them it's just very kind of passe it's very
1: anachronistic uh to us but for them you know what's a thousand years nothing
0: Back in the castle, it's daylight now. And we see that that shape is still there with the horns in it. It still stayed up like that. I like right. that a lot. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Abe and Hellboy, I, I like this little moment. He's like, I'm going to be sore in the morning. And he's like, it is morning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we've, had, we've had mornings like that. I had a morning like that this morning.
0: Yeah. And Abe's like, yeah, I should probably go to the hospital for a while. <laughs> and he's like, uh, you didn't see Bromhead around here, did you? Somehow he got bricked up in a wall. That's strange. Any sign of Count Guarino, and then we just cut to the monkey, right? So I that thought that guy
1: got exactly what he wanted. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So you know, the the lady said my wish is for you, the demon not to come out in a form that's too horrible. Well, he came out in the form of a fly. The guy said that he wanted enough gold to line and a crown on his head, and he did that, but now as a monkey. Yeah. And then Bromhead said uh, wanted to be saved from Abe, and he got bricked up in a wall and half turned turned into a lizard. I wonder. So it's if- kind of that weird like. Yeah. What you ask for, you're gonna get, but in this weird, like, sinister way, well, like and you the, know. The
1: term for that is commonly the a monkey's paw right. wish. Which yeah. I wonder if that's how these artifacts are made. Is you have to have a monkey that acts that died under ironic circumstances or something, and that's how the monkey oh, paw. Okay, I don't know. Like, it's very obviously. This goes with a little disclaimer that I don't condone cutting monkeys' hands off or yeah. anything like that. I'm talking <laughs> about like the 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 trope that you see on like television specials is with the crypt keeper the monkey's paw thing you well know, I
0: think a... of the Simpsons right right what that's is, what you know, I was thinking, too. It's do a you, you remember cultural that little story it's do you a... remember that scene where he's like what is that scene yeah.
2: oh it's uh, it's from one of the Treehouse of Horror it's a is Simpsons society? reference yeah
1: but, but it's re- it's referencing a very you know pervasive kind of a yeah thing i'm not trying to say you should cut monkey's hands off or anything yeah right. no maybe,
2: maybe that's why it's all cursed it's just you just cut off a monkey's hand right don't <laughs> don't do that right You'll you're gonna cursed, get cursed wishes. definitely
1: of course anyone who anyone who would buy a monkey's hand should definitely not get what they want
0: <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little epilogue to box full of evil we're going to talk about that so we get again hellboy and kate right here's kate um, and one of the few cars i thought we weren't going to see any more cars in uh in the hellboy universe we saw one in that uh story the promotional story where hellboy fought a giant dog in a gas station and now we see one that kate was driving in i guess she she drives in a in a coop or something right a nice little convertible there Yeah, yeah really
2: i hope it's not a rental
0: and so she says i thought i'd find you here and i he says i've always liked it here i don't know why so he's in one of the stone circles in england and I don't know, are, are those real places, or are those... Oh, yeah, no, I mean, Stonehenge is the most famous one, but, yeah, there are hinges all over Right, there's a
1: bunch of different ones, yeah.
0: She tells him that Abe is going to be fine, and Hellboy recounts this adventure where, apparently, Abe was thrown by an Ogopogo monster <laughs> onto some rocks or something like that, and he was like, he lived through that, so I figure he'll, he'll be fine. Kate says that the Bureau is not happy with Hellboy's report on the whole Bromhead-Guarino incident, and they say that it's sketchy. And Hellboy's like, you know, th- there is a lot of personal stuff that went down and yeah. all that, and I don't want to tell them it's all that a fucking stuff. fucking family you know?
1: matter. Right.
0: And he's like, you know how I live? And she says, I don't know what you mean. And he says, I never deal with what I am. And so he kind of talks about he just right. likes to stick his head in the ground. We've seen this several yeah. times. He brought it up in Wake the Devil where he says, I just don't want to know any of that stuff. And he just says, you know, he doesn't want to think about that. Wait, before we go on real quick.
2: Notice how on uh, the bottom of the page it has a footnote for yours oh yeah
0: what's it say just wake the devil
2: it says hellboy wake the devil okay mine says hellboy wake the devil in omnibus volume One.
0: Oh, interesting yeah. so they added a little bit more information there and so as hellboy and kate are talking we cut back to the elsewhere really quick and we have a little interaction with the goblin and the elf guy and the goblin's just saying poor poor creature it's tragic and the goblin just says hush goblin <laughs> and it, hellboy shows uh kate the the parchment that he received in right hand of doom and you can see the elf. it cuts back to the elf like he's watching this moment you know and hellboy's just like you know maybe i'll bury my head just one more time and he just lets the wind take this little parchment into the air and i love this moment mm, right a
1: fucking bird a fucking raven
0: yeah. catches it it just yeah. comes down and gets it in its talons and kate uh kate is like jesus how do you ignore something like that right so yes, well. uh, but Elboy just wants to keep ignoring it right no. he goes well i don't know let's go to sussex i hear there's a
1: lady ghost
0: yeah she rides around in a donkey let's go do that <laughs> so that would be something and then we just see the bird flying away now this bird it kind of reminds me of the ones that we saw in wake the devil absolutely right? yes. yes very much so this castle um, I'm not going to try to pronounce it right now. I'm just going to spare spare all of you, but <laughs> that it's a real castle and I but I couldn't find anything about it being haunted by a lady that that rides a ghost donkey or anything like that.
1: I love the way Mignola draws birds.
0: Yeah, it's just a really great shot. It also appears
2: that there aren't any birds in the panel when he lets it go, and then all of a sudden, bam, birds. birds. Right,
0: yeah, all of a sudden, here they come. It's, so
1: It again walks, like so much of Mignola's work, it walks that line between creepy and humorous. Yeah. It's beautiful and scary. It's weird and funny, and I just love it.
0: I was wondering why in the epilogue they would cut over to that little goblin yeah. again. Right. And so, it almost reading it this time, it almost made me think like, did they have something to do with the birds right. coming and, and getting that it's a kind of a of a little parchment, sort like of a deal? Like they're they're gonna hold on to it, just like Astaroth is gonna hold on to Hellboy's crown. For they him.
1: cut in every time we're talking about uh, Hellboy's fate, his identity, his all this stuff. Like, are are you gonna cause the apocalypse? or Are you gonna die? And he's like, no, neither of those things. Every single time we have to deal with this subject matter, there they are. Yeah. They show up again. We, You know what I mean? And so that's...
0: Nature's involved in, in some way. And it's kind of overseen this Completely. whole thing along with all of us. Totally. Great, great. What do you guys think of the short stories today?
2: I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, it was also kind of a nice change of pace yeah. um, from just like the one long story when you get with uh, like Seed of Destruction or Wake the Devil. But Not that else... they weren't good stories, but oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, you yeah. said,
1: I agree. It was nice to have these little Nice
2: little, nice little bam, bam, bam. Yeah. And um, also... I'm, I'm kind of glad there weren't any Nazis this time around yeah. because <laughs> yes, okay. I, I'm, I'm getting a little tired of Nazis. It's a
1: good break from the Nazis. <laughs> good, it wasn't yeah. so bogged down in that, like, uh, kind of heavy, miserable...
2: It's just not to say there's anything, you know... No, no, no. ...wrong with you're using um, Nazis. It's just like...
1: It's good to beat up on Nazis.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Always good, but yeah. it just feels like... But like
1: you said, you know, there's we got some different, new, fresh stuff yeah. here, and it's more mythological and
0: yeah, yeah well hellboy's a paranormal investigator exactly. so you know we get all these other little bits of par- paranormal legends and myths and we'll we'll get some more next week we're going to do more short stories next week so but yeah I,
1: I agree that it's i agree with you that it's fun to break yeah. it up and it's it's good to get yeah. some different subject matter in there and it's yeah it was good to, it was good read good bunch of little reads
2: and it, it, you know it just feels like every time i turn on the news these days more Nazis. i know oh
1: my god
0: bad stuff Uh, yeah we don't want to talk about that thank thank goodness we got
1: uh we got hellboy to beat up on those nazis yes
0: so next week we're going to be talking about more short stories and i mentioned earlier that i kind of wanted to incorporate some stuff from the omnibus so we're going to we're going to do the rest of the short stories that are in the library second edition pancakes nature of the beast king Vold, the corpse iron shoes baba yaga heads goodbye mr todd the Varkalak. And A Christmas Underground. So excited. But to also include some of these changes for the omnibus, this might be a little controversial amongst some of our (laughs) listeners, I don't know, but I'm going to throw The Midnight Circus in there after Pancakes. So The the Midnight Circus is a a really cool story that takes place very early in Hellboy's uh, existence. And in the omnibus version, it's right after Pancakes. Now, for those of us who have been reading for a long time, it came out just a couple years ago. So it really, some people might say, well, it really doesn't belong with those stories because those stories are really old and this is something new. Well. But I think that I kind of want, I'm interested in how it reads, um, reading it early with, with some of these other stories. So I wanted, and that's the way it is in the omnibus. So I thought let's take a little bit from the, now the omnibus is also missing some of those short stories too. So I'm trying to kind of take. Yeah. The best of both worlds for 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 the purposes of our show, and I think it'll be fun to look at the Midnight Circus a little earlier, even though for some of our library edition readers it doesn't come until later. Oh, well, so if not, it'll be fun. It'll be, be fun. Be, yeah. So anyway, that's what we're going to be discussing next week. It'll, it'll be short stories part two, and I'll post online also um, all the cool things that we talked about today. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. Uh, I- Aubrey's going to say <laughs> something else first. Um <laughs> uh, Actually, I was going to say,
2: um, I was reading something not too long ago with um, interview with Mignola, and he was talking about the uh, they were asking about the library editions versus the omnibus and what he thought the correct reading order was. And he's no. like, he's like, I I don't really care, just read them, <laughs> yeah, just read them. But <laughs> He said it's a uh, Scott um uh, Scott, Scott Alley, yeah, Scott Alley is the one who's um, putting all this stuff together, you know, and he's the one who's really kind of trying to do the best to make these as chronological as possible. Yeah. I think it's different editions.
0: I think it's interesting. And just like we did today, I mean, we kind of flashed back. The Wolves of St. August took place before Wake the Devil. So did the Chain Coffin. So we already have flashed back to our earlier stuff. And so a lot of times these books can be read in a, in a variety of order yeah, just absolutely. because we a lot of them to are little to hold self-contained to flashback stories. But I do specific. want to throw The Midnight Circus in there just because I'd love to talk about it. And I think it's interesting that the Omnibus version puts it right after Pancakes. Yeah. So I'd like to kind of experience that, too, because I've read it the traditional way. And now I kind of want to read some of the stuff the new way and some of it keep it the old way. So, yeah, Why the hell not? We'll, we'll go along with it. So anyway, now Aubrey's going to say all the things. So... Tell us your thoughts on
2: Will's the St. August, The Chain Coffin, Almost Colossus, Right handed Doom, and Boxhole of Evil. Send us your feedback at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Join the book club on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. On our next episode, we'll be discussing all those stories john just mentioned or short stories part two so pull out your trades library editions omnibuses download the digitals and do your homework and follow along with us you can find the podcast at podbean and on apple itunes and various other podcast things if we're not on there let us know and we'll get on there yeah thanks for listening everybody i'm john salinas danielle renee and i'm aubrey loveless saying that's all for you